Happy New Year, Soul Fam, and welcome to the very first Ceremony Circle podcast episode of this most blessed and divine 2023. I'm your host, shaman, and best-selling author of Animal Power Book and Deck, Allison Charles Story. And I knew I wanted to do something super special to begin this year with you, and I quickly landed on the idea to sit down with my beautiful, handsome, smart, big-hearted, and oh-so-willing-to-evolve husband, Luke Story. Luke and I began our relationship as friends many years ago, and then as the divinely orchestrated and humorous and loving universe would have it, it unexpectedly ushered us over into being in a romantic relationship, which quickly led us into engagement and spontaneously getting married by Elvis in Vegas in 2021. And there's so much I could say about Luke, but you'll get to immerse in all of that in our conversation. So for now, I'll just share that Luke's story is a writer, meditation and metaphysics teacher, and lifestyle design expert who shares transformative principles of health, addiction recovery, and spirituality. He's also the host of the top-rated The Lifestylist podcast. And I wanted us to sit down and share about 2023 divine alchemy, reflections, and intentions. And so we did, and we ended up voyaging into a super, super rich and what I would classify as a very well worth it, longest ceremony circle conversation to date, where we dive into Luke's most challenging chapter in a very long time, what those waves entailed and how we wrote it all together. What it's been like witnessing me release into my divine feminine and embracing a completely different lifestyle than I've ever known before. The biggest lessons of last year and how they're guiding us into a more evolved truth and God-aligned 2023. And on that note, we got so into the flow of discussing so many potent topics that I feel like I never got to clearly state a main intention of mine for this year. So I wanted to go ahead and do it now. And that intention is that I remain in living in true devotion to God Goddess, to live in authentic flow with the instructions the divine provides to me, all in service to my highest, greatest earthly good, my family's highest, greatest earthly good, and of course, the highest, greatest earthly good of all. Luke and I also cover things like the purgings of parasites, addiction, bodily breakdowns, and many more surprise aspects that I just want to leave for you to discover as you sit with us. So here we go. And once again, Happy New Year, fam. It's such an honor to share this very intimate and honest chat with my husband, who I love and respect and adore so deeply, Luke Story, and 2023 Divine Alchemy, Reflections and Intentions. Hey, darling. Yeah, here we are. I was thinking a lot the last few days, knowing we were going to have this chat. And I think this is our first time recording together in our house. I think so. When I was a guest on your show last, I believe it was uh, back in Laurel Canyon in Los Angeles. Really? I believe so. No, no. You know when it was? Maybe over here at the old studio. 
on 620. Yeah, I was struggling to recall. <laughs> uh, yeah, if either of us had made an appearance on the other's podcast in the last year, like in 2020, I don't think either one of us were on. I don't know. But I'm just happy to be here with you. And it felt special that now that we're finally in our home that we worked so hard to renovate and move into and live in and hopefully start a family in, that now we get to have this recap and slash flow into 2023 visioning chat time together. I'm excited. It's funny, as we sat down, I noticed that I was I don't know, nervous might be overstating it, but I had a a minor hint of anticipation. Really? I think just because I have absolutely no idea what you want to talk about or what we're going to do. And oftentimes when I interview someone else, I mean, I'm very, very prepared and have a really clear idea of where I hope that it goes. But in this situation, I'm just leaving it up to you. I see you have some notes. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to let you look there. I'm excited to see what you come up with. I I mean, I kept it super casual. I also typically spend a good amount of time researching and preparing. But for us, I I just wanted us to honestly have fun and sit down as husband and wife in our home and just have an enjoyable chat together. And I just fully trust you know, we always have so much fun together just in general and whether we're being goofy or having like really deep healing talks, like to me, it always feels of service and of substance in some texture of a way. So I I thought to myself, no matter what we talk about, I think there will be something enjoyable for whoever chooses to listen to us. That's my intention too. That's my intention, you know, as you put this out into the coming year of 2023, we as a a civilization have endured a lot over the past three years. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure we'll reflect on some of that. So as I look into the new year, my intention, at least for this microcosm of a download for people is to set the stage of positivity and to examine how we might be able to reflect on the lessons we've learned and where we are in a very different world and how we can move forward in a way that's of the highest service to evolution. Yeah. One thing I did want to add though, in terms of, cause we, <laughs> we're both not memory people, you know, which is funny. We just kind of look to the present or maybe a little bit forward, but like, I can't tell you what date anything happened, where we were. But one thing I'm quite certain of is that we have not recorded a podcast together ordained legally in the United States of America as husband and wife. Oh, oh, oh. Well, there we go. I mean, technically that's 2021 news because we were married officially in November of 21. Right. But this this is our first husband-wife podcast. I feel like we should have matching sweaters. I should have the beautiful sweater you have on. <laughs> we, have, we have both have orange and earthy tones. I feel like we should be peas in a pod celebrating our family of four. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I wanted to begin. I have at the top of my notes, a conversation between husband and wife, our first year of marriage, how we moved a couple of times, renovated this home, held space for each other for really, really big experiences in our lives, both together and individually, our conception journey, some of the things that happened in this past week, which I don't really, I'm not in the mood to get into details, but we've traversed some very large waves 
since we got together as a couple, but I feel especially in our first year and some some months of marriage specifically. And yeah, I just, I reflected on how my biggest takeaway from especially the marriage time is how I thought to myself, because we're a unit, because we're in the sacred union coming together, of course, then when you're in a partnership, there are going to be things that I am experiencing because there are things that needed to come into your life, things that you needed to experience. But because we're married and we live together and we're in this union, then by complete, you know, obvious default, I'm in that mix as well. And so even if I know it's not quote unquote my stuff, or I know it's your lesson, you're teaching your journey, I'm still in those energetics and I'm a very sensitive creature and being, but I thought the most beautiful thing came to me that I would so much rather have it that way, like potentially experiencing some challenging or turbulent waves due to things coming into your sphere for your evolution. I'd rather be a part of that and holding space for that and in that mix than then excluding myself from that and living alone or being single. And, you know, like the text I sent you a couple of weeks ago, how, you know, I'd rather be with you in your most challenging chapter than anyone else at their best time. And I really mean that. And so that's one of my most significant reflections and takeaways from this past year and specifically from our first year and a few months of marriage. Are you getting emotional? No. <laughs> oh, that text you sent me was so meaningful to me. It was really, oh, man. It's not the words, but it's what's behind the words. You know, what's behind the words is unconditional love. And to remove any ambiguity from those listening, when she sent that text, I was having a rough couple months. The past couple months have been have been challenging. For a number of reasons, some of which have not even revealed themselves. I, I feel like I'm on the other side of it now and I'm back to my happy-go-lucky self. But in that moment, I was just, I think maybe I had sent you uh, a text just going, hey, like, sorry, I'm such a train wreck right now. And your response was that beautiful one that you just uh, shared with us. But I really felt bad. I was just like, God, if if she was me and I was having to kind of put up with this transition that she was going through, I mean, you know, of course I would love you unconditionally, but it would be less than fun, you know? So I was just saying, hey, man, thanks for hanging in there. I'm I'm trying to navigate my way through this situation. One of the things for those listening was that, and this is, there's so many lessons from 2022 that we can get into, but one of them the elephant in the room for me and something I'd just like to share candidly about is that since around 1985, which would have put me at about 15 years old, I've been in one form or another, most of those years, habitually using nicotine. I've had period, there was a long time where I smoked cigarettes, just a pack a day, the whole thing, right? Which side note is so hard for me to picture. It's yeah. similar to when I saw a picture of my dad. It was before I was born, but 
then growing up seeing pictures of him floating in the lake that we used to live on when I was a child. And I think he had like a beer can in one hand and a cigarette in another. And I was like, who is that man? Because by the time I was born, he was already like, we own fitness centers and he was a runner and he definitely wasn't doing that. So your dad was like a fitness biohacker <clears throat> back in the day. Way back. <laughs> you before. sent me a picture of him doing like contrast oxygen therapy, like the thing we have in the on garage. a bike. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what? It was in the seventies or something. Yeah. But any, anyway, so I mean, for a long time, I just, I thought smoking was great and I enjoyed it. And then many years ago, God, I'm not great at timelines, but I want to say maybe eight, nine years ago, I like hard stopped, just cold turkey quit cigarettes. Uh, just because I felt like it was just, it was a thread into my past and addiction and it was the last kind of stronghold. Well, I found out there were others in terms of <laughs> other addictions that you can have that don't involve substances like pornography and gratuitous sex and things like that, that I later addressed, thankfully. But I did quit smoking cigarettes and I think a couple years went by. I didn't miss it, didn't think about it. It was really like my sobriety. It was an act of providence. It's just, I, I mean, I did my part. I prayed my ass off and it was just like a genie in the bottle had granted my wish and poof, it was gone. And then long story short, over the course of the next couple of years, I experimented with, you know, I smoked a cigar even though the, you know, the angel and devil on my shoulders, the angel was like, don't do it. It's nicotine. And the devil was like, it's a cigar, dude. You're not going to start smoking cigars. You're not an 80 year old golfer. You know what I mean? And I got really addicted to Cuban cigars for a number of years and then quit those. And then somehow got on like the nicotine gum and the little nicotine patches. Anyway, it's been this internal battle I've had. And a few months ago, and so I haven't smoked in a long time or anything like that. I did have a brief bout of cigars. When we were together. When we were first together. And you were not a big <laughs> fan of that for valid reasons, I must add. So I was knocked that shit out. But then I started using nicotine as a nootropic because it's really great. I mean, it, there's no, it's no accident that the great writers and creators of history have used nicotine and coffee. It's really great for focus and just perking up your brain. And there's a lot of science to even support that. So that was my justification. Mm -hmm. right? I was like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm getting shit done. I need my nicotine. Your biohacking you know? justification. Yeah, yeah. I promote it, you know, my Lucy gum, my little lozenges here. It's on my website. I'm living, I'm living the life that I promote. But anyway, a few months ago, I had set the intention when you and I went into a journey, a plant medicine journey, and it came up during that, that experience. And I made the decision to, to stop. And the next morning, I threw all my shit away, actually gave it away to our, my friend Jason, who had no intention of quitting. So it was a good day for him. And then came home and felt really good about it. And then I found some of this Dr. John Zen spray in the, in the refrigerator. There was about half a bottle left. And, and that's not something I've ever used addictively or abused in any way. It's, it's a useful tool, but it's, it's quite potent and not something that your average person would be using throughout the day. So, you know, again, higher self, lower self lower self <laughs> one and said, ah, just you finish the bottle. It's no big deal. Got addicted to those. And then really felt like, God, I'm just, I'm bigger than this. I'm better than this. Like, I don't want to be addicted to anything. It seems like I'm at a place in my life where I should be past that. So I decided to go cold turkey again on the heels of another really profound experience, incidentally, some months later, and had a very rough time with it. And this was over the past two months or so, maybe. I think, I mean, yeah, it feels a little bit longer at this Three point. Three months, maybe. Yeah. And I was really just hanging in there and just, hoping that it got better because anytime I had 
quit anything before. Like I said, it was just, I made a, a very definite decision and I surrendered it to God and it has just been removed. And it's not, I have not had like reoccurring issues. When mm -hmm. I got sober in 1997, it's like I would never ever in a million years think of having a drink or doing any kind of drugs that were problematic for me. And so at the time, you know, this recent time when I quit, it was just like, it was very challenging because I felt so off and I felt like if I would just use nicotine again, I would feel normal again. But that's the addict justification. You know, it's like, well, maybe you're just a person who needs this right now in your life. You're going through, I mean, there's a lot going on in our lives, you know, so it's been a stressful time for a number of reasons. So probably not the ideal time to make a huge change like that, which for me is a huge change because it's such a daily habit. So I was like, oh, I'm not going to let the, the addict in me justify falling off the wagon. I'm going to stick with it and I'm sticking with it. And then I find I'm using Kratom more to like calm down. I'm drinking more of those feel freeze and eating more of my coca leaf, uh, you know, my mom bay and just doing other things that are stimulating, but aren't per se addictive. At least they have never been addictive for me, but just mentally started using these other things. And I'm just going, God, I really think I'm just torturing myself. And in the middle of this, it, you know, aside from just other life occurrences, you know, legal battles and just all kinds of gnarly stuff that I probably don't want to get into and specifically that have now resolved, thankfully. But then I started getting this really crazy tinnitus. I mean, like really bad to the point where there were moments where I really didn't want to be here anymore. If this is life now, it's just so torturous. And I know people have much worse problems and I'm of course, thankful that I'm otherwise very healthy, but yeah, but I, I think it's also unless you've experienced it, you can't begin to understand what a constant, loud, high pitched ringing inside of your own brain, inside of your own head feels like. And I, the closest I could relate was the day when the cleaning company came. And I'm typically not in the house that day, but this past time I was, and I, <laughs> almost lost my shit when just like the nonstop like vacuums, like that certain frequency of sound that just I couldn't escape. <laughs> and I, I, and so it helped me. That was like the closest I could get because I've never experienced tinnitus to being, having more compassion for the crazy making of tinnitus. Yeah. It's absolutely maddening when it's, when it's really on. And, um, and I've had it for a number of years and it's sort of, at times it's worse than others and I've just adapted to it and just sort of accepted that it's part of life um, and been able to just keep it moving. But this got to the point where it was just really difficult. And I'm, it's been many, many years since I've had really dark thoughts where I just, I don't want to participate in this human experience anymore. I'm not that I'm ever so bad that I would actually contemplate suicide or something to that degree at all because there's um, a part of me that knows that that's just not an option. And obviously the fallout of that on people that care about me and all the things. And I just, I love myself and I love my life. But in those moments, it's very difficult to access that truth. And so it's kind of, I mean, I was just at points really just going, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I don't think I have what it takes to live with this. So anyway... <laughs> so anyway, on that. Yeah. So let's pause well, on that. Or what? Well, no, there's there's more to it, and then and then we can get into it because okay. I think this is valuable for pe hopefully for people that are struggling with spiritual perfectionism and also just the difference between justifying addiction 
and other people in, in the life of the addict enabling their behavior yeah. and giving them a pass or giving yourself a pass just so you continue doing something that's destructive to your life. And my using, like, I don't smoke still, as I said, I'm using like, you know, nicotine gum and stuff. So it's not like that bad for me. It's not interfering with my ability to function or hurting people around me or anything like that. Don't have to break into cars to get money to go buy it and so on. <laughs> but it's hopefully useful to people to just find acceptance of themselves and where they are at a different point. And I thought that I was at a point where like, I'm rising above this. I'm putting all this old shit behind me and I'm going to emerge into what I envision to be a higher and deeper and more thorough level of sobriety. Like what would life be like if I didn't need anything around me exogenously outside of myself to help me to feel comfortable in my own skin? And so, you know, that was the challenge that I sort of set for myself. And it, it's been very humbling to arrive at my current truth, which is, you know, that would be great. And I'm going to aspire toward that. But at this particular juncture in life, it became very apparent to me that for whatever reason, I feel much more comfortable having a little nicotine in my system on a daily basis. And so... I don't know, maybe it was a week ago or something. I mean, I really prayed into this and thought into it. And I, and I fought the battle, man. I mean, I really hung in there much longer than I probably should have in retrospect. And one day I just made a very conscious decision. You know what? I'm going to just love myself through this. And I am going to use some nicotine right now because I am not well. And no matter how much I meditate, all the tools at my disposal, all of the years that I've been working on myself and healing and doing all the things I've done, we're just not cutting it. I needed that little extra crutch. And so I was wrestling with a bit of shame of feeling like I had failed and even with you failing you. And I had to really communicate clearly to you this little micro drama that I'm experiencing, this inner battle with this fucking molecule, you know, and just it, I needed to kind of not get your permission, but I, I needed to know that you we're going to love me unconditionally and that you weren't going to judge me because I know you're not a big fan of having like addictive kind of energy in our field. And, and, and I wasn't either, you know, we're looking to have kids and I definitely don't want that kind of energetic in our home when there's kids around, even if it's sub perceptual, I just, I don't want daddy like needing things, you know? So there was a lot of really wholesome, positive intention behind it. But I just had to say, like, I'm out. Like, I can't do this right now, right now. And it was interesting because the minute I used nicotine that first time after the three-month break or whatever, I immediately felt calm and normal and everything was okay. Super strange. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's all of the reasons. It was coming into an acceptance that my head is buzzing and ringing all day long and that it's just the way it is right now. And I'm going to seek solutions, obviously, and I have great resources at my disposal because of the work that I do and whatnot. So I'm working on that, but um, it, was a, it was a really rough time. And I, I want to thank you for your patience of just being with someone who is so cantankerous and moody and just losing my shit there for quite a while. You know, it's, it's been a long, long time since I've felt uncomfortable for that long. I have moments here and there throughout a day. Maybe you got a bad day here and there, but... I mean, this was like day after day for a number of weeks. It was just like, wow, this is not cool. <laughs> and so that's the story of self-acceptance and of just acknowledging my limitations and also letting go of the perfectionism. It's like, why go to this much battle with myself 
over something that's relatively insignificant in the big picture. And so I, I feel much better and I actually feel quite at peace with my, my nicotine use at the moment. And I'm also holding the vision that I can summon the resources when I decide to do so to do it again and, and have a different experience and feel totally comfortable like I did those many years ago when I just cold turkey quit smoking cigarettes and never looked back. I, like, I know that that's possible. So yeah, so the tinnitus, the nicotine thing. And then also I had a vision months ago around one of my primary familial relationships and the sort of checkered past that we've had and in many ways just grieving a sense of loss and, and tragedy in a relationship that's just been so wrought with oh, sadness and unmet needs and expectations for, for a very long time. And so I had um, some insights around some things that I wanted to really communicate from my heart. And it was a very extensive and thorough a letter essentially that I that I was putting together over the course of a couple months that included um, deep and unexpressed gratitude and um, sincere amends for some of my behavior in the past and uh, just knowing that that was looming was actually putting a lot of weight on me because I felt that it was something just it was a karmic debt that needed to be paid and I needed to express my feelings and hopes of a resolution, not only within myself, but within the other party, hopefully. I've not received a response to date. But the important part for me was that I saw things so clearly throughout my childhood and even my birth that I had never truly expressed in a compassionate way. And it was extremely cathartic experience. And so that was kind of looming at the same time and I've now completed that and that feels really good. That was a huge step for me this year. And um, like I said, legal issues that have just very recently as of what, two days ago resolved themselves, which, you know, weren't ultimately going to be the demise of our lives, but definitely an interference in us going about doing our thing. And so just a lot, a lot moving. And also, and I'll close, you know, with this and then you can take the mic back. I realize I'm on kind of a long roll here, but you know, I, I used to dream before I was even capable of fulfilling my role in this dynamic of really holding space for a woman in a relationship, both emotionally and financially. I just have had this yearning just to be a man, just to grow up and be able to hold it down and just provide safety and resources and just allow a woman to really flourish and to feel safe and to feel loved and taken care of. I just have always just really wanted to take care of a woman. And, you know, up until just, a, I guess, meeting you really, I don't think I was truly capable of that in terms of dedication and presence and also just really stepping up to the plate in, in my life and in my career. And so as I met you, and I think this, this would be really fun for you to explore from, from your perspective, but I meet you, this girl boss, spiritual teacher and shaman and author who's lived in, for 15 years in New York City without the support from anyone, just making it happen, just doing your thing, being very accomplished in what you do and not needing a man in your life to, 
to do much of anything, you know, and you can tell your version of that story, but you're a very self-sufficient woman, grown-ass woman, just handling your shit, you know? And then we get together and we, we start this dance where, you know, you write your book and you put this opus of beauty out into the world. And I watch you birth that and just kind of stand by and observe your creative process and the beauty of you just in such a sincere and heartfelt and mindful way, create something that is really a benefit to humanity. And then to, to see your, and your card deck, of course, shortly after, but to see you go through the trials of, of not only the creation, but all of the politics that go on, which I was unaware of having not written or published a book, you know, navigating the politics of social justice and just all this crazy shit that you'd think shouldn't even be part of a creative venture that's based out of service to humanity. But there it was. And, you know, I'm watching you navigate all of this and you put your book out and there's this, I mean, your whole being was just like, oh my God, it's over. It's done. I gave birth, you know? And then we moved into this dynamic, which I very much encouraged of just allowing you just maybe for the first time maybe in your life and that you can expand on this to really just allow yourself to be and just to rest and just be at home and hang out and just be in your feminine and learn to play guitar and just do whatever you feel like doing every day with zero pressure to perform, to produce, to do anything. Just an invitation from me to you. For you just to be honored and loved merely for the fact that you exist. And that's such a fulfilling experience for me to be able to provide that. Mm. And yet, let's keep it real, it's a lot of pressure to put on myself too. Mm -hmm. Not because of you, because of the way that I like to do things and you know, building our home and wanting things a certain way. And I'm just a do it 100% in excellence in every way or don't do it at all kind of person, which has its benefits, but it also creates um, a tremendous amount of pressure at times mm -hmm. because I'm just full on. <laughs> if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it all the way. So yeah, I think the culmination, you know, of all of that as we've ended this year and finally gotten settled in our home it's just been a lot, a lot of pressure on myself, a lot mm -hmm. of pressure on my ears and, mm -hmm. and all of that. But I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, I've never once had the thought, for example, like, oh man, I wish she would like put out another book or like bring in a couple bucks, you know? I actually don't want that unless that's what you want to do because it's fun and you feel free and in flow doing so. Yeah. If what you feel like doing is literally just being in your life and existing and enjoying the moment, that's what brings me the most, the most joy mm -hmm. is to just bear witness to that, you know? So that's just a little bit of kind of, you know, where I've arrived and perhaps why some of the last couple months have just been like, holy shit. And, and also, and last, I swear to God, lastly, last thing I'll say, also one thing that I was really failing to recognize is the overwhelming fear and confusion and grief of the collective mm -hmm. in the past couple years. And because I'm a person who likes to understand 
the nature of reality and I'm always seeking truth, that truth seeking takes me into some really dark places. I mean, when we're talking about the whole convict pandemic and all of that, I mean, I'm on Telegram, like looking at the gnarliest stuff about what's going on in the world. And there's kind of a morbid curiosity in me to do so. And it's something that I, I kind of can't stop doing because I just like to know what's going on. And we're, we're at such an unprecedented time in human history that I feel like I'm watching the greatest, the greatest theater ever created. And so I try to objectively and in an unattached way kind of observe just the insanity of the world and the contrast of the duality that we're experiencing. But I recently discovered that it has actually taken a toll on me. There's a heaviness to the collective right now that I was really negating and thinking that I just was not a part of in a way, you know, or just I'm doing my thing. I can, I can keep my head together and not really be affected by it. But, but all of that has been affecting me and just, you know, the impending doom of, financial collapse and just all these systems that seem to be just teetering on the edge of destruction. How did you arrive to the realization that it it had been impacting you? I think just over the course of the past few weeks, you know, and just the inquiry of waking up in the morning, getting dressed and going, I feel incredibly uncomfortable and there is no way to feel comfortable. And I'm not, it's been so long since I've lived like that. And so then I'm, of course, invited into the inquiry as to why like what is happening why do i feel like this and so then i'm going in nooks and crannies and my meditation and in my different ways of taking inventory of myself and my life and looking in all the the nooks and crannies and shadows and seeing like what is happening here and that's one of the things that i discovered is that i need to acknowledge that this has been a rough time for everyone no matter what you're status in life is or how successful you are in, in different ventures and relationships, business, life in general, there is an underlying mm-hmm. current of angst that we're all feeling to some degree. And, and I hadn't really acknowledged that. And so that's how I discovered it was just in going, what is happening with me? Yeah. I, I think no matter who you are, no matter what spiritual practices you had implemented for however many years, it's inevitable that in some way to some capacity, everybody's centers got rocked. That was the vision that came in as you were just sharing that last bit. And I'm not saying that when our centers got shifted, um, moved, whatever, that we weren't able to then return to our center, but it's been a lot of uh, getting pulled out of known territories and out of our centers. Um, The other thing, I mean, so much to unpack with your first reflection (laughs) of 2022 that took, that took a half, 35 minutes to share. Hey man, Um, if you're going to go, go deep. Yeah, no, I'm here. I, before we sat down, I was like, you know what, this is probably going to be a long one and I'm, I'm here for it. Um, So no, it's so beautiful. I did take a lot of notes to unpack and I'll just start with, I'm grateful that you are doing this acknowledging. I think that it's important that, um, yeah, that in partnership that I feel acknowledged, that you feel acknowledged, that things are <laughs> spoken of and be, are you become aware of certain things. And so for me, I don't know if you recall, but for, 
pretty much the whole time we've been together at different times, I have said to you that I have had some concerns that just, yeah, the way that you do things, the way you move through life, and also just the dynamic in which we both felt called into exploring with me, letting go into my divine feminine, and just a bunch of things in this one recipe that, yeah, that you would eventually hit a point of just like breakdown because of so much pressure and holding such a a big container in in so many ways. And so it's a bit relieving for me to hear that, that you've come around to acknowledging that, yeah, there has been a lot of pressure and I have been holding a lot. And one thing that I had in my notes before we even got here was that, you know, a few, like three or four of the things that have held a lot of pressure in them three or four of them have also been incredibly long duration chapter things. It's not like something came into your field and you were able to alchemize it, extract the lessons, and it was able to dissolve within like 48 hours. The letter that you described, I mean, that has been a almost 52-year journey in some respects. I mean, not not maybe not fully, but let's say a 30-year journey that has culminated to that letter. That's a long chapter of maneuvering and holding and feeling and um, working your way to that letter. And then with some business stuff, you know, pretty much the entire time that since we got together and shifted from friends to being partners, there's been some business stuff that you've been carrying and holding and trying to maneuver for years. And then the legal stuff, that was also, you know, a year or two chapter really. And so I just think that I wanted to speak that and acknowledge that, that not only have things been pressurized and brought with them, you know, some incredible depths and darknesses and challenges, but some of these chapters have been going on for anywhere from two to four to 30 years. Yeah, and yeah, that's they're true. just not reaching culmination points. That's true, and what a gift! What a gift that is to see some of them through. Yeah, with you know, the one selling a, a business that I started many years ago has been an ongoing thing that's kind of been in limbo. You know, since really even a little, I guess around the time we moved here or so. You know, and it's like well, even before that too, it shifted before. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's and I think also. And this is something John Wineland shared with me the other day in, a, in our interview here for my podcast. And he was saying that the masculine really needs completion, mm. right? And, and, you know, he went on to elaborate further, but that, that was the essence of it. And I was just asking, you know, why, why are we like this? Why are we like that? And I said, oh, well, we as men or, or anyone in their masculine needs completion. And when he said that, I thought, oh my God, I've got like five huge plates spinning out there in the ether that are not resolved. And it drives me nuts that I can't rush their completion or I can't fix them. I'm a fixer. Like I, you tell me in the house, something's broken. It's like, boom, call the dude. Boom. You know, it's like, I can't sit with things just unresolved, loose ends, Mm -hmm. just percolating in the background. And even but this is also part of the inquiry, part of the inventory for me is, 
you know, looking in the nooks and crannies in this little dark night of the soul that I am just coming out of, thank God, knock on wood, is kind of, well, what are the things that are unresolved and, and how much are they really weighing on me? And that was a lot of it because sometimes we have things that are kind of weighing us down, but they're, it's sub-perceptual. Yeah. It's just, it's in the background. It's like all the COVID stuff. It's just this hum of noise, like, Neet. it's like when there's a loud air conditioner on, you don't notice it. And then someone turns it off and, and you go, like, oh, ah. God, it, I didn't know it could be this quiet. I didn't even know the noise And you feel your whole there. system decompress. Yeah. And so you're right. Some of these things have been in very long winded issues that have just kind of gone on and on and on. <laughs> and, you know, there's in some of the cases, there's really nothing I can do to speed them up. They're just, they have to run the course of time and, mm-hmm bring themselves to completion. And so, yeah, yeah, that's very true. So, I mean, I think the the value and maybe hopefully um, some of the things that I'm sharing is just how important it is to really take time to observe where energy leaks are and, and maybe to do so and to acknowledge them humbly and honestly before they get to the boiling point where you turn into a fucking volcano, you know, which is kind of what happened to me recently. I mean, I was aware of these things, but perhaps I wasn't really taking the time to slow down and really face them and and honor myself and, and honor the pressure that, that I was experiencing as background noise, you know? Cause I mean, for like the letter, for example, um, and look, I totally agree. Everything's in its own perfect divine timing, but as your partner, I would gracefully and gently every once in a while be like, you know, how's that letter going? Because with my gifts and sensitivities and things, I, I was, I could feel the different layers of pressure and just, um, yeah, energy leaks and just, and things being held for potentially an unnecessarily a long amount of time. And so I would try to, you know, and, and there were times where you would be responsive and like the next day you might work on a, a little bit of it or, or whatnot, but yeah, sometimes. Well, that's, I mean, with that letter, you know, it ended up a very thoughtfully edited version of that letter ended up being 14 pages, mm-hmm. which, you know, probably the long, well, definitely the longest letter I've ever written in my life and the most dense in, in meaning yeah. and intention. But, um, you know, that's another thing that I've come to realize actually with you two in our relationship in terms of the, the roles that we've assumed. And this is something that, that goes, I believe, way, way back. And that is you in the position of my muse in the sense that you're inspiring me to write a beautiful song, although you have done that too. Maybe not whole songs, but bits of them uh, that no one will probably ever hear because of my own insecurities. But we'll get to that later. There's... An interesting thing that's happened in times where we've had any sort of conflict Mm -hmm. where you've expressed to me that you're dissatisfied with this or that. And rather than settling with a limited perception that you're just nagging me about something, I've come to see so clearly that you did in fact come here to this plane to find me to inspire and bring out the very best that I have to offer. And the beauty in that is that you refuse to settle 
for anything other than my highest potential. And that is such a gift. That's such a gift. Not only to have that be the case, but also to be able to see that that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. On a soul level, a very old soul contract karmic dance that we've been in, that you came into my life that the few years ago when I first met you in New York City and unbeknownst to me, you were going to be the person that really encouraged me to become a man in the fullest sense mm -hmm. out of your divine and unconditional love for me, mm -hmm. you know? And so you, hey, what's going on with that letter? These little reminders, you know, a limited perspective from a little boy that would be like, oh, why is she bitching? Why is she nagging at me? I'll get to it when I get to it, right? But what's helped me a lot is knowing that you're saying, where's my king? Mm -hmm. Not for you, for me. Mm -hmm. Yes. And what a, what a gift. What a gift to be able to spend your life with someone who's just constantly calling you up to the highest version of yourself from love, from a deep love. Mm -hmm. You know, and for that, I'm, I'm so, so grateful. And it's, it's an amazing tool. And I'm not, you know, I'm sure <laughs> there are many relationships where dysfunctional patterns and unhealed traumas and things like that are creating conflict and one party is dissatisfied and is trying to punish or condemn the other, right? Yeah, I've, I've been in those. And so, you know, not, not to put these all in the same basket, but I'm talking about you, whether you even are consciously aware of it or not, calling the best in me forth. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's like, hey, what's going on with that thing? And in my conscious mind, well, in the immediate sense, sometimes they're like, God, get off my back. Leave me alone about that thing. But there's an inner knowing. It's like, oh, she's right. God damn it. You know, I really do need to do that thing mm -hmm. for myself. Yes, for yourself. Right? Maybe, you know, and you can elaborate on what your experience of this is. Because we, we've talked about this a bit, but not in depth. Maybe there's a part of you, if it even comes across as like a nagging or a reminding, maybe there's a part of you even that's, irritated because I'm not stepping up to my highest potential, right? And so as long as we both know what is at the root of your encouragement, no matter what tone it happens to take, yeah. then it can be experienced as an invitation to share a really beautiful collaborative evolution. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm trying to think of examples as you're sharing, and and I think it's been a mixed bag. And I can honestly say, I don't recall a time where I came felt a call to remind you of something or bring something up to be discussed, like just from a place of whatever lower realm, anything. Like, there's always a bigger or more divine or conscious awareness to it. But along with that, there have been times where irritation has been involved, where let's say I have gently, kindly, lo lovingly nudged a couple times and there's been no feedback. There's been no, uh, what appears to be no receptivity to the nudge. And then if I see that thing growing in darkness or unnecessary energy leak or whatever it is, 
And then I feel a duty to, to nudge again. Yes, sometimes in certain scenarios, there's for sure irritation and frustration and some angsty energies mixed in. You know, thankfully, uh, you, over time, I think, have grown. You've always, I, I think, on a, on a deep level sense that I'm, quote unquote, the real deal or authentic, you know, with my love or my spiritual gifts and things like that. But I think it did take you some time with certain gifts that I have and the way they work to like fully trust me and fully trust and how those gifts operate and that there's not these other things woven in. Um, you know, so some of it was a dance and some of it, some of it took time, but that's, that's very true. That's very true because over time I have, how long have we been together? Three years or something? I think Almost. so. Our first date was on December 31st. Yeah, there you go. I think three years ago. Yeah. So, I mean, I knew you as a friend and I knew what you did in your, in your work. Yeah. And, I think we met like five years ago or something. Yeah. So I understood that, that you have gifts and things like that, but it has been a process of me to see through the surface level of your wants, needs, desires, communication to me, that there's something deeper there, which is what I was just speaking of. It's sometimes it's, Hey, I don't feel safe. Yeah. You're, you're muddying the waters here, like clean our fucking field. Yes. You know, especially as it pertains to other people yes. in our, in our uh, home and realm, you know, uh, which is something I'm <laughs> learning. So some, you know, sometimes it's a little of both, but as more time goes on and I see as we work through something like that and you bring something to my attention, even if it's perceived initially by me as like, God, you know, why is she complaining about this thing or that thing? Now I'm beginning to see like, oh no, you better listen to her, man. She, she's got some serious gifts of, of, of insight. You know, you're able to see through things. And I think this is really not to discount your gifts, but I mean, this is one of the most potent aspects of the feminine is that that supernatural intuition right and the ability to just know there's a disturbance in the force whereas the masculine is just like thinking about things from the neck up and logically working through life with less access to those subtle feelings and, and intuition right so mm -hmm. that's such a beautiful gift for the masculine to be able to have kind of a, a an intuitive seer in their court, provided that that seer's intention yeah. is of the highest love and not yes. of control, coercion, manipulation, and, totally. and so on, or that they're just expressing their unhealed trauma that they need to go deal with, right? Totally. And, and I think you and I have a pretty solid understanding of when it's some old shit entering our field that just <laughs> needs to be worked out and when there's actually some valuable insights that are being presented because there is something that needs to be dealt with. Yeah, I don't think it's really taken, I can't think of an example where it took us a significant amount of time to figure out what was what. Like when something's moving, something's occurring, it's very easy to pretty much in real time be like, oh, this is totally that, just let me move this through my system, this is old, or like I'm really tapping into something, I need you to listen, and I need you to to work with me and, and what I'm seeing. Um, but I wanted to go to, uh, yeah, just the addiction journey and just kind of honor 
us and honor myself in that process and speak my, reflect on my side of that journey as well, you know, for those who have listened to me being on other people's shows, probably where I've talked about it the most, just my past journey in in my divine intervention and spiritual awakening came from being in a very long-term past relationship where it wasn't until said divine intervention and the veil lifted for me that I was then able to have the illusion disintegrate, the denial disintegrate, and see how much addiction was playing a role in that entire 16 plus years. So the realm and category of addiction is something that's like played, I even feel it like in my my chest as I'm speaking of it, it's played a very significant monumental role in my life journey. You know, it can even potentially track back to like childhood stuff too. Um, but especially as I was growing into young and middle adulthood. Yeah. And after the veil lifted, peering into the realm of sex addiction, which is something that, you know, my previous partner seemed to be suffering very severely with, and that I was also playing a role in by staying in that type of energetic uh, system for so long and letting my own body be dishonored and not valued and respected for so long and, and looking at just even that one type of addiction. I mean, there's probably countless types, but just looking into the cave of sex addiction you know, took me many years to fully walk through and look at every little nook and cranny of that cave. And so it's been huge for me. And the irony is not lost on me that I somehow ended up in a marriage with someone who, you know, yeah, you've been sober for 25 plus years, you know, based upon your definitions of of sobriety. And, you know, that's probably a whole other conversation for another episode. But you know, here I am in this really healthy divine sacred union. And my husband used to really, you used to really suffer from a lot of different types of addictions. And so it's required a depth within me of trusting myself and trusting you and trusting how God, goddess, like ushered us together and just the river that it placed both of us into. And so it definitely brought up some stuff. And I expressed this to you along the way, but it it did. It was a little nerve wracking for me at times to witness you uh, in your dance with like the discerning of the nicotine. And is this the addiction talking or do I really need to just like let the grip go a little bit? And, you know, just all the fucking like just, minuscule examinations that we both went through just with this nicotine part. Um, And also in witnessing you, once you shifted off of all the nicotine, like you said, you know, from my perspective, the best way I can describe is that transference of energy, like going into some of the other supplements and things and just watching this kind of neurotics a strong word, and I don't want to use that I word. I think that's applicable. It's like, yeah, it was just compulsive. Like compulsive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely those types of energetics went just, huh. you know, when I'd pop into your office to <laughs> chat with you and like the 12th time that day, you know, like using that one supplement, and I'm just like, okay, 
<laughs> oh my God. Like I really, there were a number of times where oh, God. I needed to kind of just sit on my own and just like breathe and like really tune in and be really honest with myself the whole time because it's been a many, many, many year long, no fucking joke, hardcore fucking tumultuous journey for me to like unravel the traumas and abuses that I previously experienced and to like get so clear within who I am. You know, I was celibate for so long and I've put in so much work to arrive to a place where I'm devoted to truth. I'm devoted to the divine. I'm devoted to illumination, you know? And so I felt it really important for me at times to sit down and like ask myself the hard questions too, you know, like what is going on here? What the fuck is really going on here? Do I need to be concerned? Do I need to call one of Luke's friends and like call in some support? Because I'm not an addiction expert. I've had my own lived, hardcore lived experience, but I'm not an addiction expert. And so it it brought up, I mean, I can even feel it as I'm talking about it, it brought up a lot of stuff for me and holding that space and watching you navigate it. I had my own navigations. Well, there's... There's a lot there. You know, we've been watching the latest season of Intervention here and there. And I haven't watched that show in a long time, but but I used to uh, watch it pretty regularly. And something that I've experienced that subjectively for so long and that is exemplified so perfectly in that show for those that don't know what that show is, it's a show about like they follow a, a drug addict around essentially and then do an intervention on them and throw them in rehab and hope for the best. But what's always been fascinating to me about that show and, and what it demonstrates is how when you have an addict in the center of a family unit who is, from my perspective and my experience, outwardly appearing physically sick, and mentally sick, but what's really at the core of it is spiritually sick. And I think that because an addict is so overtaken by darkness and so disconnected from God through that addiction, that the spiritual and the spiritual sickness infects the psyche of the whole family. Mm -hmm. And thus you have codependency starts to emerge out of that where other people in the family become spiritually sick and as a result, often even physically sick because the contagion of the addiction energy sort of catches hold mm -hmm. to other members of the peripheral family to the degree that they begin to be psychologically addicted to fixing and saving that person, yeah. right? It's this really, really gnarly web yeah. of dysfunction. And so it's not lost on me that you, even though, you know, we're talking about nicotine, it's not like, you know, I'm down on the corner smoking crack, but it's still the energetics of you're around someone and you're very intimately involved with someone who consistently needs something outside of themselves to feel And it can and evoke the concern that I talked through with you a number of times of like, do you think that you'll ever be able to get to a place where you just don't need to reach for something and if not, like, how can we both arrive to a place at peace that 
not getting to that place is just, is what it is. And also the concern I felt necessary to examine and bring up to you and have a conversation around is like with this transference that I'm seeing, like what are the chances that this might transfer to something way more detrimental than nicotine yeah. gum? I mean, and I, of course, have sympathy for you having that experience and those fears, which are totally logical. Yet at the same time, my resolve in my foundational recovery from addiction is grows more solid every single day that I'm alive, regardless of what's happening. If I drink coffee or use nicotine gum or Kratom, it's like none of that even comes. It's out, to you is the person looking outside, you could see like, oh, it, there's a progression here and this transference, right? Well, he quit nicotine, now he's doing more of this or that. But in my experience, and I don't know, this is perhaps not true for everyone, but the depth of surrender that I experienced when I got sober and the act of providence that I received and experienced from God is so far outside of this more superficial game of addiction. And there's a shield of armor around me that I've willingly allowed to be put into place through my humility and admission to myself, how hopeless I was those years ago, that there is nothing <laughs> in this lifetime that would ever allow me to cross that line. But I can know that within myself and put my hand on the Bible and swear to it. But when you're the other person who loves someone and who's observing the same sort of energetic dynamics, it's easy to see why one would have fear of like, well, if he's kind of struggling with these little, you know, more superficial elements of addictive behavior, what's to say that it's not going to flip and he goes, and in, he, he goes into the spiral and of And even of if I knew on a deep level everything you just said to be true, I still think it was a healthy component to bring this stuff up and to not oh, just sure. like, you know, pretend I don't have those questions. Um, no, it's very healthy for you to communicate your truth, but it would also, also be healthy in a situation wherein the former addict didn't have that sense of confidence in their ultimate sobriety, right? I mean, this is, <laughs> there's probably millions of people have relapsed into hardcore addiction because of these self-justification and denial systems and because they start using other things that are kind of not on their off-limits list. Like for me, if you saw me thinking I could just have a couple sips of wine here and there, like sound the fucking alarm. <laughs> like that is not going to go well. I just know that, or at least I, that's what I believe. I'm just going to continue to believe that for my own self-preservation. Um, so I think for a lot of people that have struggled with addictions, that it would be a, a great concern because of the transference and something that I learned when I was in rehab when I was 26, because I had experienced this in my life where say I'd be drinking too much. And so I'd, I'd go a few days maybe without drinking and I would just smoke the shit out of weed. Right. And then maybe I would do some Coke and then that would get me back on the drinking. And then, well, now I'm smoking crack. Well, I got to qu quit that. And then next thing you know, I'm doing heroin. And it's just like, I could never, I could never manage what they called in rehab, switching seats in the Titanic. Mm. Right. It's like 
you can switch from this seat to that seat. You can not smoke weed, but go over there and drink wine, but the ship is still going down. You've just changed seats, you know? And so I'm intimately familiar with this phenomenon, this dynamic. And I also understand the immense level of self-deception and self-manipulation that addicts have the capacity to express. And, And this is probably the number one killer of addicts is their wall of denial. Mm-hmm. It's so powerful because it's based in egoic delusion. It's, it's a really powerful shell that gets built so that the addict's ego can proceed uninterrupted. And so the higher self of the addict can't break through that and be like, man, you got to quit this shit. Check yourself into rehab. Your family's right. Nope. They're the ones with the problem. I mean, it's classic, classic stuff. So your concerns are very, very valid. And also expressing them is, is absolutely non-negotiable. It has to be expressed because that's your truth. And you have to know that you're safe. I mean, I think one has to know they're safe in an intimate relationship to bring, other, to bring up any fear, no matter how rational or not it happens to be. Mm-hmm. And so in my case, I mean, I have compassion for your fears and I can totally see where they're coming from. Yet at the same time, I'm like, no fucking way. Like, I'm fine. And I am fine. And to that point, and, you know, maybe I, there's one topic I would like to ask you some questions in outside of this, but I think addiction is really, it's a really important topic and something I want to lean into more in my, in my own content. And I think I've been resistant to do so because I've just put that behind me. And there were years where I identified as like, I'm sober, I'm an alcoholic, I'm a recovering drug addict, all these labels and this identity that had kind of been built out of that in an act of Mm self-preservation and wisely so. But there also comes a point, I think, for an addict wherein we're given the opportunity to actually shed that whole identity and not even think of ourselves as like a former alcoholic or recovering addict. And we're just a human being. We're a spirit here having this experience and evolving. But that's only possible if we've truly accepted that there are just substances that are completely off limits to us permanently in this lifetime. And then I think you can, you can emerge out of that. But what I'm finding is that I think I have a lot to offer people in this realm, you know, and that's why I'm, I'm getting more excited about talking about it because I do feel more disidentified it from the addict experience, knowing that there's so much more to me and my life and what I'm doing here. But I do have a unique experience in that I've been to the gates of hell and I'm back and I'm here and I'm alive and I'm thriving and I'm fucking around with my nicotine and, you know, having my little experiences here with it. Um, the last thing I'll say on that, uh, maybe, is that, you know, the other day when I, I really went inward and I said, Luke, you know, is this, is this worth the fight? Like what you're going through right now? And I don't think all of the difficulty that I was facing was around nicotine, honestly. Maybe very little of it because I've quit nicotine before and I'm totally fine. I feel normal. I think it was just a convergence of all of these parts of my life at that mm-hmm. particular moment. It was just bad timing to try to remove what has become a, a pretty nice little crutch. You and know? also one quick side note yeah. is, you, you know, with the tinnitus and the you being off nicotine and yeah, the, the legal stuff, all the stuff that we've been talking about, everything happening at one time, we both are very adept at exploring, getting quiet, getting clear and asking, you know, what is the next step that needs to be taken here? 
And thankfully, we are very well resourced and happen to be friends with or know many of the top, whether they're energetic, healers, mystics, scientists, whatever. And so it was just interesting, the hit, the ping that I got with the one of the couple people that I reached out to, shout out to Amy Budden, my hypnotherapist friend who um, supported you partway through your journey um, with that. But then I also got the intuitive hit to reach out to Paul, who's been on Ceremony Circle. Uh, he's a Taoist shaman and professor and uh, acupuncturist. And What's his last name for people listening? Paul Alexander. Paul Alexander. Yeah. Um, he was one of my earlier episodes when I first launched Ceremony Circle and love him. We go way, way back to my time in New York City. He's like a former cop and it's just, he's got a really cool journey himself. But in his very gracious and generous correspondence with me and your situation, you know, I just thought it was really interesting one of the downloads he got was just around tobacco, you know? Um, and he was like, perhaps some of this like battling and fighting energetics going on is that, you know, Luke is intuiting that part of what needs to be healed or moved or cleared from his system, even if it's an energetic clearing, is that tobacco is needed. And if he's got this staunch, like, I've already said no to it and no to nicotine. Well, then that eliminates the spirit of tobacco. And so it's just really beautiful. Uh, one of the things that we did from his, um, his downloads was I did three days with you um, of a tobacco clearing. And that to me felt very healthy, very integrated, full of divinity. I didn't feel any wonkiness, weirdness, darkness, um, and, and, I, and I had some hape too on one. And that one was the first the time in many years, right? Like you had not, you haven't been. Oh no. I've, I've, well, <laughs> well. I've, I've used it here and there, but it's not been part of my, you know. In that form. Routine. Yeah. In that form. Yeah. But I also just want to give a shout out to the, the vultures. Yeah. Tell that, that story. That was bananas. That was so beautiful. So when Paul emailed me back, he said, I think you need to do three days of tobacco clearing with Luke with a vulture feather. And, uh, at first when I read the email quickly, it, it, it said, um, a turkey vulture feather. And when I just scanned it through the first time, I just saw the word turkey and I was like, oh my gosh, we've got, you know, from the time at Rome ranch, um, when in a very sacred honoring way, you took the turkey's life. And then I plucked some of the feathers from it. And we have those feathers here at the altar. And I was just like, perfect. So I emailed him back and I was like, oh, wow, you know, we've got the perfect turkey feathers. And he reminded me, he's like, I said, turkey vulture. And I was like, ooh, and I didn't have any vulture feathers. And so, and it felt very important to me. I knew, you know, I've got this many blessing feather fans and, you know, many different feathers, but it did feel important to get vulture feathers then. I got to follow the protocol. Yeah. Yeah. So we did day one with, um, I felt intuitively clear to go ahead with one of my blessing fans to do day one of the clearing. But then I spoke a prayer and I called in the vultures and I said, you know, if it's in your will, you know, I'd really like to properly work with you and Luke's healing and clearing and guide me to you, guide me to where I can with honor and, and deep reverence receive a feather from you. And less than 24 hours later, probably 12 hours later, that prayer was in the evening. And the next morning, you and I 
are driving from where we live in Texas to another town about 40 minutes away. We're only about 10 or 15 minutes down a highway. And no kidding, as we're flying down this highway, I look to my right and there's a pack of easily nine or 10 massive, massive black vultures just sitting right on the right side of the highway. And I was like, honey, honey, look, there's the vultures, there's the vultures. And I'm getting my phone to try to like pin drop or mark where on the highway we were so that once we're back from the dentist, I can somehow try to locate this exact spot. I doubted that the vultures would be there, but I thought maybe one of them would leave a feather for us, right? So I mark this particular area. We get to the dentist. I'm able to drive back by myself because Luke was picking up his brother. And so I'm driving back on the highway and I know I'm getting close to the area and I'm getting really excited. It's just me and our dog Cookie in the car. And as I'm getting to the place where now that same area would now be on the left side, right? Because I'm heading back home. But on the right side, there's even more vultures. There's probably, I'm not exaggerating, 15 to 20 massive vultures now on the other side of the highway. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So I pull off and I first, I park and I walk to that initial place not where the, the 20 are across the road now. They're still there. But I walked to that first location and I have a picture of one of the vultures that's sitting on top of that sign. You know, the, the Texas vultures are no joke. They are huge. And so I was definitely talking to a couple of the vultures and just asking, you know, is there a feather for me here on this side of the road? And I was really kind of sweeping it and like looking. And this is on a busy Texas highway. So imagine like, I don't know what the, people driving by me were thinking um, as I'm looking for this vulture feather. But I was kind of laughing to myself too, just my life and how I live. It was just funny. And um, so I was talking to this one vulture and it was felt pretty clear that there was not a feather for me over there. I did find another feather from a different bird. But then I decided to, when the coast was clear, make run my way across this four-lane highway with cars whizzing by. So I'm like, making sure I'm safe. And I beeline it across. And as I'm walking toward this, these 20 other vultures, you know, I'm just like asking permission and, and letting them know what I'm entering for. And they all disperse, you know, and some of them like, like go up on the fence and just watch me. And, um, oh, sorry. Another huge thing that I left out was on the first location, those original set of vultures were taking pieces from a female deer. So there was a dead deer carcass on that initial spot. So it was a whole medicine journey of me giving honor to that deer who was laying there, talking to the vultures. All of this was going on. Then I go across the road for the 20 disperse. And as I walked to where they were, there's a massive male. There's a buck. There's a male deer with huge antlers. And it's much more fresh. So then I'm experiencing the medicine of that animal and just tuning into that and facing that and I and just you know the fact that the deer is our main animal totem for our marriage you know it was through Kayumari the sacred blue deer the power animal for uh, peyote who really played a massive significant role in Luke and I getting together as a couple which is a story I'm sure on another podcast we've done but so then I'm examining this buck and I do find I am led to three vulture feathers. One 
normal size size one and two two smaller ones. So I was able to receive three vulture feathers within probably 12 hours of asking to be guided to where to go and speaking that prayer. And the whole ride home, you know, I was just crying and crying and crying. It was such a medicine journey, such a shamanic journey, just acknowledging, you know, I don't know if what I'm about to say is true, but even if it's not, it's still so powerful and divine. But let's just say that these deer gave their lives and sacrificed themselves so that they would die and perish so that they would call to them the vultures so that you and I would be driving by at that exact time for us to receive those vulture feathers. You know, that's just one possibility of the divine orchestration that was at play. Um, But even if that's not exactly how it went down, still, I was able to stand before, you know, two deer that had perished and and were in their transition and also work with and communicate with 20 so uh, vultures and and receive those feathers. And then the last two tobacco clearings, we were able to use the vulture feathers. It was needless to say an incredibly profound like Wednesday morning, (laughs) casual Wednesday. I mean, regardless of what degree of superstition or wishful thinking, might play into these experiences we have where we, ooh, maybe this happened because of that. I mean, we have to step, we don't have to do anything. I choose to step back and just go, in my life, there are no accidents. That is all on purpose. Even that. And thank you for risking your life running across the freeway to mm-hmm. do a clearing for me. On that On that note, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because you know, again, this could be like addict justification. Well, shamans sit there and smoke my pochos or whatever they're called all day long. My pachos, I never could say it right. I mean, you sit in ceremony and in a traditional ceremony, they're blazing tobacco and it's it's part of, it really is part of the experience and part of clearing the energy and the, and the groundedness of that plant. And it, it does have such a sacred meaning. And this is something that I've just begun to explore in my recent life. But any addict could say, well, they do it and it's part of these rituals. We should do it too. But truthfully, um, you know, when we did those clearings, I mean, they were very impactful and also helped to remind me that I have the opportunity to recontextualize my relationship with tobacco because these little things that I chew on, they're made from tobacco, mm-hmm. um, which I used to think they were a synthetic nicotine. And I recently learned, no, it's tobacco. So, you know, the the letter that your friend was so so kind, the sort of assessment that he sent, mm-hmm. And you finding the vulture feathers and doing those clearing, it actually brought me into a deeper place of reverence with tobacco. And rather than seeing it as this adversarial hurdle that I have to overcome and that I'm weak and I'm a failure if I don't stop it entirely, that maybe it is something that right at this time that I do, I don't necessarily want to say need, but that could be useful for me in in grounding in my own way. And that Perhaps it's not a matter of whether one doesn't do something or does do something, but rather the relationship and presence with which they're interacting. Now, any junkie could say, well, I'm using my heroin with presence. And of course, you know, all justifications aside, I think there really is a lot of value in in all of the plant medicines, heroin included. That's a plant medicine. Cocaine is a plant medicine, right? Alcohol is a plant medicine. Everything's plant medicine. 
it's a matter of context, right? And, and self-awareness and self-acceptance and, and understanding one's limitations also. And lastly on that, you know, the other day when I just kind of felt into knowing that I had some nicotine in my car, which is interesting because normally if I quit something, I just throw it all the way. I don't want to run. I'll throw it in the trash. But I found one way after I had quit this time in my car. And I was like, you know what? I don't feel like throwing that away. I'm going to just leave it in my car. And if the shit hits the van, it's there. Probably won't use it. But I knew it was there. And I, and I was going uh, to run an errand or something. And I was like, you know what? I'm out. Like, this is not working. And like I said, the, the minute that I did it, I was like, oh, duh. This is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Yeah. I don't really know why. And, and at this point, I don't really care. I just know that I'm someone who observe what, observes what works and what doesn't. And um, what I was doing was not working for whatever reason, maybe I'll never know, but now I know what works for this particular time. And so I'm, I'm grateful and with reverence, I appreciate our sacred tobacco and, and I'm going to use it as reverently as I can. And if that looks like addiction, so be it. You know, I'm, I'm going to do it until I don't feel it serving me anymore. Yeah. And, and just accept myself with that. I mean, because that's part of the tragedy of addiction is the shame spiral the shame cycle of it right is is the addict has the compulsion to use because they are feeling shame or discomfort or sadness whatever you know emotions or unhealed experiences etc they use and then their intellect creates a shameful story around them using that becomes so uncomfortable that you have to use again to overcome that shame and it becomes this self-fulfilling prophecy you know this cycle and it's it's a really horrible way to live and and in fact when i've worked with some addicts over the course of my sobriety and they're in a dance with something and i can tell they're really not ready to stop and all they're doing is really using their addiction as an opportunity to judge themselves and shame themselves in some cases, and I'm not making this a blanket recommendation by any means, but there have been cases where I've encouraged someone to just keep using and use more and use harder and get it out of your system. Because the cycle that you're in of like, I'm not going to do it. Oops, I did it. I, I'm worthless. That cycle is going to harm you more than just going, you know what? This is where I am in my life. I'm a fucking addict and I'm just going to own it and I'm going to do it. And when you watch those shows like Intervention, you'll see. But oftentimes, the ones that go to rehab and stick are the ones that just take it to the bitter end until they're really, really done. And their relationship with that behavior has reached its conclusion. And for some, it never does. Some die. And that's just the way of things. So for me, I feel very grounded in my, in my resolution. And, and for the sake of your security, I will <laughs> tell you here again, honey, I am... I have never been more committed to my abstinence from the drugs and alcohol and things like that that caused me so much harm in my past. And I am indebted to God, to the creator for my salvation from that life. And I would never and will never discount that or devalue that or betray that mm -hmm. gift. Amen. Amen. That's beautiful. And so it is. And so it is. Thank you for sharing that. Um, Can I ask you a question? Uh, okay. 
So Ray is excited to get ready to go into the next one, but okay, if you really want to ask it, go well, for only it. because I might forget later. Okay. I, don't, I want to touch on something we were exploring before, and that was the energetic dynamics of the masculine feminine. Yes. And as I was describing, you coming out of your very successful, proactive, fiercely, fiercely independent, fiercely driven, fiercely driven and independent New York City shaman and author and all the things what's it been like oh god for you <laughs> which i by the way i think you've entered into this new way of experiencing your life so gracefully and so masterfully <sighs> i can only imagine how difficult it has <laughs> been to to just exhale and let all the striving oh god the striving and achieving go. And I just want to honor you as I've observed you incrementally just, just let all of that fall away and just be in your juicy new version of yourself. But there might be some value in, um, <laughs> for people listening on, on both sides of the masculine and feminine energetics of what your experience has been like and how you've navigated that maybe over the past year. You know, we're, we're kind of talking about the end of 22 as we've now, by the time this comes out, moved into 23. Yeah. It's funny that your intuition was insisting on bringing this up because I literally have that as my next thing to go to, but I was going to skip it and go <laughs> to the one below it. So we're clearly meant to talk about it. So, all right, I surrender. Um, to tune in succinctly to answering your question, it has been potentially the bravest thing I've ever said yes to doing, maybe, you know? I think that's a very fair statement. I think I've done a lot of really brave and courageous things, a lot in my life. But um, the <laughs> allowing of myself to experience my own being and to experience life in a way that is truly a complete 180 than what I've ever known up until this point, I think could maybe be the bravest thing I do this lifetime. If I mean, if you really like, we could probably have a four-hour podcast truly on just this one talking point alone and just going through like your previous life, my previous life, what happened when we arrived together and just like going through all the nuances of how we got to where we are right now and these exact energetics we sit in in this present moment. But yeah, I mean, I had been open to letting certain aspects of my divine femininity open up like little bubbles would like reveal themselves here and there when I was living in New York City still single and celibate but I remember on the beginning of my journey and arriving to where I'm now asking myself like I, I literally had to start with asking myself what even is feminine what even is the divine feminine I, I was starting there of asking myself if I even knew what it was. And huh. yeah, I mean, I was starting at before 101 level. Yeah. What does it feel like? How does it move? How does it express? What does that mean? What? Yeah. And so I've come a long way. 
But me being willing and courageous enough to even open up that door and ask those preliminary questions set me on this incredible journey that from the beginning, I never would have guessed it would have led me to where it's led me and also been as powerful as it's been. There's been other evolutionary pathways where from the get-go, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a doozy of a ride or, oh, this is going to be a a massive game changer of an exploration. But this beginning of this pathway, I didn't have any clue that it was going to be as potent as it's been. And um, it's been vital. And that's one of the reasons that I've let myself do it. And I've also, you know, I don't know that I would have felt fully safe or like it was time to do it had I not been in the container, the relationship container that you and I have. Being with you has provided a safety energetic that I have not known until now. And so that safety energetic has let me feel and express and experience things that I otherwise would have never been able to. And so this is one of those those things because I think in years past, I was just much more in survival mode and trying to figure everything out. You know, I was having my awakening while a previous relationship was disintegrating and a previous life that was all I ever known was getting blasted like a stick of dynamite. And also in the midst of this, seeing visions of the truth of who I am as a healer and my spiritual gifts and being shown right out of the gate, the visions of where spirit was wanting me to arrive to and walk toward in terms of how to express my gifts out into the world. And I could feel the boldness of all of those things. So all of that was happening. And along with all of that, the realization that entrepreneurship was going to be at play. So all of those big things were occurring. And so to now be And before all of that, you know, I've talked enough about the athletics and just being the best literally in the country with all of that and the pressures of that. And when I was a radio host, you know, top rated radio host. So it was always this like kind of given known thing that whatever I do, wherever my goal is, whatever I've set my sights on, not only am I going to do it, but I I will, I will be the best at it. Like it just, I mean, I literally was born into that thread of experiencing life. I was the, the first baby born. Uh, I, I, mean, I was born on New Year's Day. So by the time this airs, I will have just had my birthday. Um, so I was like literally incarnated into making the news. Like I was in the newspaper because I was the first baby born in the hospital. So like... M- like I was, <laughs> you won first place yeah. when you popped up. Yeah, no, seriously. Like that was the, and, and that's all I truly know that talk about divine design. Oh, it was God. truly orchestrated that way to be born into that way of experiencing yourself and experiencing life. Imagine then the deconditioning and deconstruction that I've had to allow myself to, to go through layer by layer. So Yeah. I mean, it's been a wondrous, beautiful ride, a very foreign ride, um, but it felt very necessary. And I think that, yes, you and I have had a number of conversations of like, does this still feel right to you that we're doing life in our relationship in this way? Does this still feel right to me? We've 
talked about this a lot, but at the same time, I think it's something that you and I just organically kind of just got ushered into, like the system of us and the dynamic of our relationship and marriage just I feel like the vision I'm seeing right now is just like this flower that opened up and was like, this is the flower available to you. And just, just a matter of, do we both say yes to this in terms of you holding more of what would be categorized as the divine masculine in our marriage and me letting myself learn and let go into the divine feminine and it's felt vital, especially for the reason of what you shared in the beginning of me learning that I'm just inherently a valuable, worthy person. I'm inherently a, a worthy being. Because, because of who and what you are, not because of what you do. Yes. Yeah. 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 And I think a lot of us are plagued with, with, with this, you know, mine got the onset was a very young age with the athletics and beginning to identify my worth and my value in receiving love with like medals and trophies and awards and things. And so, yeah, I just knowing that the power of me, the magnificence of me doesn't change or diminish or shift in any way when I'm just being in our backyard, sitting naked, getting sun or laying in the hammock or making cookies, I, you know, my, my light, my power, my worthiness, my value. If anything, I'm learning that it like flourishes in perhaps an even grander way. It's. I mean, from my experience of you, it, it does. It actually wouldn't matter to me say you were like i'm crushing it i'm gonna write another book i'm gonna build a website make an online course do whatever go speak at these big events like you used to do to me you would still be in your feminine if you were doing that because it brought you pleasure right to do so yes and not because you felt compelled to make a financial contribution to the family or you felt compelled to um, derive your value and worth from, from external, accomplishing something. Yeah. So again, it's 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 one of those things. It's it's not like what you're doing; it's how you're doing it, right? right? And I've observed in the time we've been together that not all the time, because the book was a was its own thing. I mean, that's just really truly a a, a pregnancy and a birth, you know, and then and then a what do they call it? Postpartum, right? Uh, period. But aside, aside from the book, because that's a huge accomplishment, but that, that's one single project. But I've observed that at times when you've, for whatever reasons you've been motivated to do so, have started focusing on work stuff and, and career has become um, important or you know, some particular venture that you're exploring, I've observed that it causes you stress at times. And if it's causing you stress, then I don't want you to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? But yeah. it's like if you were doing those things in a way, say you were just like you're learning guitar, like that's work. To sit down and practice guitar is a lot of work if you want to get proficient at it. But when I'm experiencing you in your flow of learning guitar, it's just this 
outpouring of creativity and joy. And, and joy and fun and there's no pressure and there's no stress. It makes you happy. Well, that was my intention. And that's a huge point of all of this is by me saying yes and you saying yes to us learning this container, I'm also learning how to enter into what I want to say yes to even more clearly. I've always been pretty good at that. I have no problem having very healthy, firm boundaries. But learning what I want to say yes to, to an even grander degree, and also how to enter into anything I'm saying yes to from a place of no pressure, um, just from a, a different uh, end point, a different vantage point. And, and the guitar is perhaps my greatest teacher and all we of play that. play us a song right now? <laughs> I mean, I would. I honestly don't think. I thought about it. I'd be willing, but these mics, the setup isn't like Well, I trust me, she's getting pretty good, you guys. Yeah, at some point, I'm sure I will. I'll share. It's just fun. I'm, yeah. But yeah, I mean, the guitar has been amazing. I, I feel like I was going to try to say something else. So let me, let me try and find it. I think there's also, you know, I talked about it with uh, Christina Marie. She was a Ceremony Circle guest. Um, forget what I call that episode, but something like calling all leaders of the new paradigm or new, new something. And I, I think that's also one of the things at play. And what we're talking about here is there is a massive shift in <laughs> what is this like new form of leadership that's like being conjured and being asked for on the planet right now amongst the last three years of all this shadow extraction and all of this these wild feels that everybody has been on, it's the universe and the divine energetics are calling leaders of a new texture. And so it's not like I said yes to learning my divine feminine for the reason that I'm about to say, but after I said yes, I started to see, oh, I'm also choosing and saying yes to being potentially a healthy example and a healthy embodiment of what this new construct and new texture, new essence of this new type of leadership that the earth is, is beckoning for right now. And that does lead me, I do want to read my friend, uh, Aaron Rose. He put this really beautiful quote card up today and all I could write in the comments was truth and like all capital letters, giving each letter its own thing about 10 times. Okay. So his quote, sorry, we, our house is Wi-Fi protected, EMF protected. And so my phone <laughs> runs very slow in our house. So to just open this one quote card, it's still not happening. So get into ethernet for you. My God, you guys, for those listening, our internet works great. You just have to plug your phone into the wall. It's not a normal house. Like you can't, yeah, like I literally. It's an ancestral healing environment. Honey. I mean, no, it's, it's great. <laughs> and when it comes to just practical things like trying to open one Instagram post, it's. All right, um, you keep talking and I'll watch the loads feed. Or can you just maybe plug it in? I don't know. It's gonna... Okay, you keep talking and I'll handle this. Well, that's what I was going to say, say next. So, yeah, I just, I don't know, maybe. Maybe I'm not an inspiration for any reason, but maybe I, I might be uh, an inspiration to someone already or someone now moving forward and just 
you know, hearing that it's possible. I think, I think too, because I have accomplished so much in my life and I've already witnessed my capabilities and gifts in terms of manifestation. And like I said, you know, I know, I know, and and this is not coming from a place of, of arrogance. It's just an exemplified fact that I have lived over and over again in my life. If I wanted to (laughs) set my sights on a certain project and have it be like the world's most renowned whatever or the top ceremony gathering of whatever, whatever the goal or verbiage that I wanted to put on that, I know without a shadow of a doubt, like I can attain that. And so I just don't, feel a desire to, I don't care about proving myself anymore, you know? Um, and it's not like previously I was moving a ton from that space, but it's, it's even much more or less of about that now, you know? It's like, I know who I am. I know the powerhouse I am. I know if I wanted to accomplish X, Y, and Z, I can. And what I'm choosing for my life right now is to be less external. And, you know, yeah, I said yes to flying up to New York to be a part of um, my friend's Quantum U event. I felt divinely inspired and divinely guided to do so. But there's been plenty of other offers and things that have come my way that I think, you know, a lot of people would have jumped at the chance to say yes to, but I knew pretty much instantaneously like it was a no because it's just not in alignment with the exploration that I'm choosing and saying yes to right now. I'm just getting to know myself in in such a new and beautiful way. And until my soul directs me otherwise, or until great spirit, great mother earth directs me otherwise, I'm just going to stay in this. Has it loaded yet? Yeah. Okay, give it to me. No, I can read it. No, I want to read it. Okay. Yeah. So I think Aaron exemplifies this really. Aaron Rose was on your podcast, right? Uh, yeah, yes. So people can listen to him uh, speak on that one. Yeah, so, and he's been a dear friend. We go back to like New York days together. We've known each other for a very long time. We are soul fam. And his post said today, this is Aaron Rose quote, the evolution of our divine mission is not about reaching a new level of external influence or apparent success. It's about coming into deeper alignment with God with truth, with life. Period. (laughs) Yeah. That's good, honey. Yeah. So I think that sums it up. I know that was a long winding road. I mean, like I said, we could literally have a four-hour episode just on this. Um, That's really good. I mean. (laughs) It's powerful. Hold that. The last thing I want to say is because I put uh, making homemaking cool again. It's like, yeah, learning, learning what a homemaker is, what does that mean to me? Learning my experience with homemaking, learning what I find joy in and what I might not in terms of being a wife, in terms of being a homemaker. There's just something so juicy and powerful in that element for me. And I think I've shared it maybe on some other show. Well, you know, when my dear grandmother passed away about a year ago, I was very close to her and on her death certificate, it listed her occupation as homemaker. And there was such 
blasting medicine in that for me. Like literally the second that I read that, I got this transmission that went inside of me. And I've been forever changed since I read that for some reason. And I thought, huh, it just took me on this whole shamanic journey of exploring homemaking and homemakers. And what does that mean? And at what point in our society and in our culture did homemaking become not cool or something to not be proud of? And it's like, I don't know. I kind of want to be a part of the movement that makes homemakers and homemaking cool again, because I can't think of, of a role or a job or an identity. I mean, I do my best to be as formless as I can, but we are living in earth and we are humans and we do, our ego does like identities. And if I'm going to be a part of an identity, then let me be a part of the, the homemaking crew and making homemakers cool again. Make homemaking great again. We can yeah. get you a red cap. Oh, God. Don't, no. <laughs> Do not open up that can of worms. Please. But no, that's funny. Again, the intuition. This is this is where I wanted to go because, you know, I, I could go off on a really conspiratorial tangent here. But I'll start by saying that I believe in the free will of all humans, male or female. And if a woman heart's desire is to go be a president or start a company and be a fucking badass and produce and accomplish and that's their heart's desire i fully fully support that and i think there's something in because for me that was an important part of my journey was to know that i could do that if i wanted to sure you know learning that in the most expensive city in the world i somehow found my way that i did reach a certain level of financial freedom and independence on my own. And as a single woman living on my own, I did create my own business empire and all of these things. And it, and because I learned, and it was part of my thing, like I wanted to know that I could do it. I wanted to see that I could do it. And then once I knew and saw I could do it, that's part of the recipe that has allowed me to now embrace more of this other side. So yeah, yeah, I agree with you. There's like not quote unquote anything wrong if a woman is wanting to see like, do I have that in me? And it's also nothing wrong if you never have that desire at all. Well, to your point or your inquiry earlier about, you know, why does society in general look down upon a female being in the role of being a homemaker or a mother? And <laughs> based on my research, that answer is based in a very deliberate agenda. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't want to get too far into it. People can do their own research, but some of the different concepts and different evolutions that feminism have taken have been perpetuated literally by the CIA and by the state. Let's just call it the state, right? Mm -hmm. Some people call it, you know, the cabal or whatever. Um, but the state, I mean, the, the, the enterprise that is the government, right, and all of its factions and all of its perm permutations. And there was a point, I think, around starting maybe in the, uh, in the 1950s after World War II and moving into the 60s where there was an infiltration into pop culture that... <laughs> not to the benefit of females worldwide, created this imposition of an idea that 
because women had been oppressed, which they clearly have been and continue to be in many ways in many places, that the way out of that was for the woman to leave the home and enter the workforce. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that when all of the men, I'm speaking in this country, went to war in World War II, that they weren't paying taxes because they weren't employed. And so a lot of the women had to go to work. And the government really likes when there's two taxpaying entities that they can siphon from in a family. And then beyond that, and again, this is like the more nefarious side of this, but it's just the truth in the way that I see things. The other side of that is that when you have an intact family unit, whatever that family unit is comprised of, there's a strength and an endurance and an independence that is less dependent on the state and is harder to control. Mm-hmm. When you have disjointed families and you have absent fathers and absent mothers because everyone's out paying taxes and working, then you have kids that become dependent on the state and enter the public school system. So not all of this phenomenon that you, you asked, well, why do we look at it this way? Not all of it, but some of it is by design. And, and this is something that I'm really happy to undo. Um, and that's why I said I'm, I support anyone <laughs> doing whatever they want with their lives. I mean, I truly, truly believe that. But I'm also in support of celebrating women who derive joy from making a home and from making kids and being a mother and being a husband. And I think that is of equal value to the most successful entrepreneur or head of state that happens to be in a female body, that there's, there's so much value in it. In our community here, there are so many women that, yeah, some of them also have careers and, you know, have a, a public persona and are doing great things, publishing books and doing all the things. But when I observe a mother taking care of their kids and taking care of their home, I have so much reverence and honor for that role. And it's such, it's such a noble endeavor. It's such an honorable endeavor. And it's so important to the fabric of our civilization that there's presence in the home, especially when there's kids involved, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm fully on board with your making, you didn't say make it great again, whatever you said, making homemaking cool cool again, you know, as an option. And and I think it would be a great service to humanity for, for us to really rethink how we've negated and judged women as, you know, I think there's like this, this um, viewpoint that's been created where a woman is perceived as like a trophy wife or almost some degree of like a whore for just having a man support them and staying home. Yeah, like, like, like we're mooching off the yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, It's like, because you, you see this and, and I'm, I don't think that I've really ever felt this way, but on both sides of the genders, assuming that there are just two still <laughs> fundamentally, biologically speaking, there are at least, um, it's kind of a cultural meme that women, and I think more so even from women to other women, that they're looked down upon as, as having less value or being users mm-hmm. or mooches or something like that. I mean, there is kind of a cultural meme of that, yeah. of that thought form. Yeah. And it's, it's so backwards. Yes. And it's so... Inverted. It's, yeah. it's inverted and it's destructive and... It's not right. And I think that we should, this is my soapbox here. I really think we should celebrate women's, you want to talk about women's liberation, women's freedom. Women should be free to live their lives how they choose. And if they on their own volition 
choose to keep a home and raise children, what more noble contribution is there? Well, that's where, you know, we do our part, you know, however big or small it is and like helping to reconstruct and redefine. Yeah. What, what really is success reconstruct and redefine what really is true leadership, like in this now time, somewhere along the way, you know, whether partly through the feminist movement and and all of those things, like, yeah, generation after generation, there was just like different brainwashing and different concepts that we got bombarded with that I think like shifted the mold and turned it up upside down on its head and everything got all <laughs> you just reminded me of something there was a marketing campaign i think created by edward bernace i think is how you say his name who was like the father of propaganda essentially he created a campaign for a cigarette company i think it was around the, some of these facts could be wrong but the gist of it is absolutely on record and it is a historical fact this marketing campaign was to get women to start smoking cigarettes because smoking cigarettes before this time was not considered ladylike and it was very uncommon for women in America to smoke cigarettes. And they created this marketing campaign wherein they called uh, cigarettes freedom sticks. Wow. And it was all about women's liberation. It was, it was, they used the abuses of the patriarchy in the past and the oppression of women as a tool to manipulate women mm. into thinking that their freedom uh, had to do with killing themselves smoking cigarettes. Right. And it worked. And I'm sure it's changed by now because far few, fewer people um, smoke now in general because of all you know, the obvious harms that it causes. By the way, the, most of the harm caused by smoking cigarettes is all the pesticides and chemicals in commercial tobacco. It's not actually the tobacco, by the way. You can look it up, but probably not on Google. But that's just one example of like, oh, let's, you know, set the women free. You're equal to men. You should be able to smoke cigarettes too. Yeah, there, yeah. I mean, that's just one minute example well, of, of the mind control yes. that's been perpetuated on women well, by, by the establishment. That's why it's more important than ever, you know, that we tend to whatever consciousness, heart-centered spiritual practices that we feel called to so that we stay connected to the fabric of our divine nature, of our divine truth, of our divine soul, of our divine being. And so that we're at one first and foremost from that place and operating and moving from that healthy place of, of sovereignty and hopefully less easily to be a prey of propaganda and, and all of these other things. Yeah. So one thing about, the homemaker on the energetics that I have found to be so valuable and I'm so grateful that you've been able to provide this is your gifts of intuition and your insights into other people mm. have been so useful in helping me be aware of energy leaks and, and lower vibrational relationships that have infiltrated our home. Well, I've had, I have purging of parasites. Yeah. <laughs> and, the, and this is actually in this, in this year, in this calendar year that we by now have just come out of, and this has been a huge part of my work is up-leveling my standards and my discernment for the kind of beings that I interface with 
in any capacity, friendships, family, and otherwise, but as it pertains to our home, because we, I think we're just enjoying being at our home. We don't have a lot of company. You know, we have a friend come over here and there, but I don't think we've quite moved into the phase of entertaining a lot and whatnot. Um, so if anyone's listening, you know us, don't be offended if we haven't invited you <laughs> yeah, over. We, like, literally. We're just enjoying like finally having a home after living kind of on the <laughs> lamb for a year and a half unintentionally. But you've come to me and said, you know, what's up with this person or that person, people that are working on our house and things like that. And I'm like, you know, Mr. Go Easy, like don't want to create waves. I don't want drama. I don't want problems. Yeah, we hired this person. They're doing a shitty job. It is what it is. We'll get through it. And you've been really helpful as, let's just say, the home maker, making our home in the energetic sense of alerting me to parasitic energies and just lower vibrational beings that I've unfortunately, and I've paid the price for this as you have, and I'm sorry, have been just unaware and asleep and unconscious and just had less than high standards for, you know? And so part of my work this year is just like, no, just pull the plug the moment someone shows their ass and is makes it apparent that they lack integrity or competence for that matter, but especially integrity. Because I've let a lot of things slide just because I just don't want to deal with the conflict of undoing it and I just want to get through it. And so um, part of the role that you've played, which has been so helpful, even though some of the lessons have been a little difficult for both of us to learn, has been to alert me like, mm, this doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And it, going back to earlier, you said like, it's taken me time to trust your gifts. Mm -hmm. And I've had to, to learn to trust your gifts, unfortunately, through getting burned by numerous people that you were like not so sure about. And I just thought, ah, she just... Or forget not so sure about. I would say this person literally is a psychopath or whatever. Yeah, okay, like, yeah. I'd be yeah, very okay. clear. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. to, the point of, to the point of homemaking, I mean, that is... I think what I'm trying to articulate here is you holding the space of the energetics of our home. Yeah. Like I'm off building stuff. I'm hiring people to build homes and paint homes and like the actual physical container, but the energetic container mm -hmm. is what you've been so masterfully cleaning up and cleaning up our field. And, you know, I'm sorry that at times I've been a bit slow to acknowledge yeah. your, your gifts in that area. But I'm now seeing, especially in hindsight, like, holy shit, she was right. And that's a huge part of, of making the home and working in cooperation, right? And we're really collaborating, not only to have the physical things of the house taking care of responsibilities and buying furniture and cleaning things and fixing the pool and all of that shit, kind of in the 3D, but more in the energetic dimension yeah. of, of you being able to be like, no, this is... This is our sanctuary. This is our home. And that person brings in messiness or that person brings yeah. in darkness or that person is distorting the field. And like, I mean, yeah, yeah nothing will get me in mama bear energy or whatever, oracle energy, whatever it is that gets activated in me. Like, I'm a very kind, loving person, but I also am one to not be fucked with. Like, yeah, <laughs> I can say that again. Yeah, your your level of discernment is um, is highly refined, and uh, and I really appreciate that. But you know, to the point of celebrating the homemaker, I think that's a huge part mm -hmm. of it. You know, whatever role each gender is in, it doesn't even matter. It's just you have to have polarity, right? Mm -hmm. In complementary energies, like if we were both all just 
kicking ass and hiring the guy and da, 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 and doing the things, right? The 3D things. Well, then who's going to be holding down the space of like, wait a minute, how does this person feel? Yeah, like looking at that bigger mm-hmm. container. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I think that that's, that's a really valuable thing to, to share with people too, is to be able to use your strengths, like work on your strengths. Your strengths aren't necessarily to like go research the best garage door company in Austin and, you know, get a bunch of bids and have them come over and discuss the logistics of it and all that. Like that's not your lane and it's not your best skill. I'm better at it. So I'm doing it, but you're clearly better at going, "Mm, that person doesn't feel right. I don't want them in our home. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And and it's, and you've been right. I got to say, I, as far as my memory serves me at this moment, your track record is, I think, 100% at this point. So, you know, a, a bow agree. to our host here uh, oh, thank and, you. and my wonderful wife. And, um, you know, there's a lot more to making a home than like, oh, mm-hmm. you're, you're doing the dishes and I'm in there like sending yeah, someone well, I, an invoice. I think it's just, yeah, another way, you know, not that all homemakers are oracles and vice versa and all that stuff. But, yeah, it's like one of the many systems at play at somehow bumping homemaking and being a mom at the bottom, down to the bottom of a, the totem pole is, yeah, like downgrading and, and downplaying the significance of the power of those gifts, of that attunement, of that refinement, of that discernment, like those oracle level gifts um, are really paramount to the health of to everyone. And yeah, so along, um, I don't know if there's anything else, like along with the purging of parasites, parasitic energy, and then I also put... Um, just how both of us had big lessons in 2022 around more authentic and honest relationships, you know, lots of lessons and teachings there. And they don't all like in the lesson of more authentic and honest relationships, those don't all 100% correlate to like parasitic people, but you know, they're kind of in the same category. So I don't know if anything else comes up for you. It does. Um, It's the principle, keep holy company. Yeah. And in the realm of interpersonal relationships outside of business and, you know, people working on your house and things we were discussing, the, some big lessons that have come in for me is there have been many people in my sphere of friends and community that I think are great people and aren't, any, aren't parasitic or toxic or anything like that. But I've had to reconcile with the fact that I enjoy some people more than other people. And I've always just been so open. And if somebody's a kind person and I think they're well-intentioned and they want to be my friend or spend time with me or come to our house or they invite me to things and I just, well, I'm kind of compelled to go. They invited me without really being conscious of how I feel around different people. Mm. I, I think that's been the big lesson for me is to, to learn to pay more attention to my state when I'm in and out of one's presence and to actually, to learn to honor that. And to me, keep holy company means to be around people that I I truly enjoy being around and that give me the opportunity to, to grow and to elevate. Right. And so since there are so many people in our community here that have similar interests and there's so many social circles and, and whatnot that are all kind of doing similar work in the world. And we all share kind of a a worldview. And I think many of us have been called to Austin as leaders and teachers in our own 
unique ways. And there are so many amazing, brilliant people here who I respect and are doing um, great things in the world. But I don't necessarily want to be friends and spend a lot of time with all that many people. There's just a few people, a handful of people that when I get around them, I feel charged. I feel energized. I feel enthusiastic. You can be your full self. Yeah, I can be my full self. I, I feel inspired. I, I really want to listen to what they have to, to say. And I feel that they really listen to me. And there's a high degree of presence in our interactions. And so for me, it's been a little bit of a journey working through sometimes feeling guilty that, that I want to kind of keep my circle small and that it's, that it's okay to just enjoy the few people that I enjoy. And I don't necessarily have to interact with everyone that wants to interact with me because they want to interact with me. Right. And, and, you know, this could be interpreted as like, (laughs) everyone wants to hang out with me, but they're, they do, you know, many, many people do. Well, yeah, it's both things. It's one thing is we're very aware that like what he's saying is true for other people when they view us, right? Like yeah, yeah, there's people sure. out there that be like, oh, I, I know that a lot of people seem to like Luke and Allison, but I just don't really vibe with them. I just don't really feel them. So we get right, that. Right. And also in being with you every day and being your wife, I will say it's true. Like for whatever reason, like, yeah, people really gravitate to you and people really want your time your thoughts, your energy, like, I think for whatever reason, you could be someone very prone to that type of like, grabber, siphony, parasitic, and not everyone, I'm not saying everyone has those intentions, but your, your, your makeup, I don't know, I don't know if it's your charisma, I haven't figured out exactly what it is, like, yes, of course, you're handsome, yes, you're, of course, you're, you're a hunk of hunk of yummy man, and you're smart, and you've, lived a lot of wildlife experiences. And so you have a lot of insight. You have a ton of great qualities, but there's something in your energetic makeup that I haven't been able to put my finger on that, yeah, that draws people to you in a pretty ferocious oh, way. You know, it just popped in for me. Boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. I'm someone who <laughs> in my early life did was never taught boundaries. And I didn't even know what they were. There was no separation between me and the primary caregivers in my life. And the energetics were very, very messy. And also just being abused and literally having my physical boundaries violated in horrific ways and all the things. And so my relationships have, and then being an addict for so long and just all the dysfunction and codependency and all those relationships, I have never up until very recently truly known the autonomy that is available in boundaries and how to practice discernment around the degree of intimacy that I create or allow in my interpersonal relationships. And so I've always just, at least since I got into recovery from my addiction and and so much of that life was about first healing myself and then committing my life to serving others, which is what my life is about. (laughs) That's just, that's why I'm here is to serve. But in that serving, because my serving was based on helping other people that were really sick as I had once been sick, I became very used to just messy people. And, Mm. you know, and so as someone who's had very porous boundaries, 
someone who really enjoys and feels driven to serve and to help other people. And I'm not trying to paint myself as a saint. This is just the truth. I'm just, this is just speaking very honestly. I really enjoy being there for people and helping people. And I have a lot to offer mm-hmm. a certain, certain sect of people. So boundaries is the word that comes up for me. And this goes into the interpersonal relationships and social relationships, but this is also in business and in our home and, you know, Mm -hmm. which is a new experience for me. I've never owned a home. So that keeping holy company is really about keeping holy company within myself. Not that every person I have to interface with has to be an enlightened master. It's, it's the holy company within my own being and that I have healthy boundaries, not walls that keep the sanctity of, of who and what I am safe and secure and the sanctity of our relationship as an entity of itself and your sanctity emotionally, energetically, so that you feel safe and your boundaries are contained. And I'm not having leaky boundaries that are then affecting you, which mm-hmm. is some of the stuff we've experienced this year. Yeah, And so... It's been a beautiful unfolding and lessons in it's okay to have boundaries and it's okay to have preferences about the people with whom I choose to spend more or less time and and that it's okay when somebody invites you somewhere that you say, no, I can't make it, you know, or that somebody wants to come over or do this or that or even things with work. I mean, I get all kinds of opportunities that are probably great opportunities and I'm prone to people please and agree to do things and then later regret it because I didn't honor my boundaries and the whole thankfully you've gotten a lot better with that yeah yeah I mean that's the beauty of having these conversations right is we get to we get to illuminate these things that we're working on and my intention is that anyone listening might find some corollary in their own patterns and be able to unravel them as a result of just hearing someone talk about them right but I think that that's what it is you know in terms of just cleaning up my my own little social niche and being okay with just having a few close friends and making sure that those are people that when I'm around them, I feel really fucking good. You know what it is for me? The the signal I get in my body when I'm not supposed to be spending time with someone is I feel cagey. Mm-hmm. I, I want to get away. Like they're talking to me and inside, I, <laughs> I literally want to walk away, yeah. but I people please and sit there and talk to them. And not that they're bad people. Right. It's just the yeah. energetics of it. If I'm honest with myself, I don't feel like being in their presence. Yeah. I, and the, the lesson for me is that's okay. Right. That I'm allowed to have my own autonomy right. and my own preferences. And, and as you said, there are probably dozens of people around that get around me and that's how they feel. They right. want to get away from Luke. And I, and I honor that for them as well. Yeah. And it, we're also at a place where we're not unless there's some big insight coming, it's not like we're attaching narratives. It doesn't have to mean anything other than that's your internal energetic navigational system alerting you to something that you might never be clear on other than you just know it's not in alignment for you right now. This yeah. person is just not in alignment. Yeah. So. And that's, that's a, I mean, for me, that's huge. As someone, again, who's had just no sense of boundaries for most of my, my life to be able to actually honor that and, um, and, and, you know, also to value my time. Yeah. It's like, dude, I'm 52. I don't have time to fuck around and spend my time doing anything other than what feels really juicy and nourishing and inspiring. Yeah, that's another area. I'm so glad to have seen growth with you in. And yeah, just thank you for your willingness to evolve and be receptive to how 
our gifts together, dance together and maneuver. Yeah, it's been beautiful to watch you evolve in those ways. And it feels good. Yeah. You know, it feels good to plug leaks. To have a leaky boat is a sense of doom because you know that like you're still floating, but something's not right. Mm-hmm. And at some point, the bottom's going to fall out and you're going to find yourself underwater. So it's it's really good to just keep our mind and our energetic field tidy and clean. And and that's been awesome. something that's been so valuable in our relationship. Yeah. You know, but it takes, it does take that trust because if you have an insight about, you know, what one of my behaviors or how I'm spending my time or the people with whom I'm spending it, if I'm not keenly aware of your intentions and and trusting your intentions, I could perceive that as like a bitchy wife that's trying to control your life or something, Mm -hmm. right? Like, what do you care if I'm doing this or that? You know what I mean? It's none of your business. But I know that your intention is to keep our our field at the highest, highest level possible and to keep it as pristine as is possible in a world of fluctuating energies and people coming and going and all of these karmic contracts playing themselves out. And so many things are beyond our control, but tuning into that intuition and listening to my body when it feels anxious and agitated, when I'm in an environment with certain people or whatever it is that, that I have every right to take care of myself and, and exit, which has been the case also with my tinnitus. You know, people that are tapped in, friends I've shared that I'm struggling with this, they're like, well, and you have as well. Well, on a spiritual level, what is it trying to tell you? Like, what is your body saying to you? And one interesting observation I've made about that specifically is over the past few years, I've become increasingly uncomfortable in large groups of people. It's just overwhelming to me. I'm too open. I'm just too sensitive. There's too much going on. And and what I value in my sharing my time with people is I value depth. And if we're going to spend energy speaking, you know, I joke around and stuff and, you know, I like to have fun. It doesn't always have to be, you know, like we're solving the world's problems and everything doesn't have to be based on our enlightenment, right? But if, if I'm going to spend time with someone, I really desire deep presence and depth. Even if we are talking about something superficial, I want depth of presence and connection with those people. And that's exceedingly difficult to achieve in a large group of people. But how the tinnitus has been such a great teacher is the noise that's created when you have more than 10 people in any environment that's closed, at least inside a building of any kind. It's excruciating when you have tinnitus to be around loud music, too many people talking, and the more people there are, the louder it gets. And so I've also learned that I'm just, I'm, I can't go to, or I, don't, I can do whatever I want, but I choose to not really participate in gatherings that are bigger than is my preference. I'm reflecting to the last two larger gatherings, even though they were both outside, both pool parties at two different friends' um, birthday parties. Both these friends, you know, we both really love, but both times, I mean, it was all leading up to this and you're already having these awarenesses, but those were the last two were on the drives home. You were just like, sweetie, like, I don't know, you know, just please like keep working with me on this, but as I'm trying to sort this out, but I just can't do that stuff anymore. Like I just can't, you know, you would just say you, cause like, yeah, like the music and then the amount of people, and then you're having to raise your voice to like hear. And it's just like, 
you're just whatever place in your evolution or whatever's going on that those types of environments are not. And I think, yeah, the tinnitus getting louder on the, and as we'd be driving home, it would be flared and you would just be like, I, I can't, I got to draw a line here. And for a while, like I can't go to any gatherings of more than like six people right now. Yeah, well, that's become my new method of determining because I want to go everywhere and be with all the people and do all the things, right? But now when I get an invite, I'll say, how many many people people are going to be there approximately? And and again, I'm not trying to be an elitist or anything. It's just Mm self-preservation purely. Yeah. And another huge lesson on that too was that when I started doing my podcast in 2016 and subsequently started doing a lot of public speaking and going to these big, mm. you know, spiritual conferences and biohacking conferences and interfacing with all these people and building relationships. I mean, I would have so much fun. I'd go up and give a talk and I'd, you know, the other speakers would often give their talk and just bounce. I mean, they would leave the event entirely. I'd stay there all, you know, meet every person and people would, um, you know, want to talk to me about my podcast. And I felt so compelled to talk to every single person and just show my appreciation and connect with everyone. And and all those things. And I just loved, I would just thrive in that, in the energy of just being able to commune with so many people that were like-minded. And, uh, and I actually gained energy from it, like an extrovert, right? Mm-hmm. All those people would energize me and something's happened without my permission or intention. And that is I'm becoming more of an introvert is, is kind of what's happening too. Whereas these last couple of big events that I've gone to, I want to get the fuck out of there. Like, I, I don't want to talk to people. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be there. And yet it, it took me a while to catch up. And I'd be like, why do I feel so weird? Mm-hmm. And it's because I, I, I hadn't yet kind of caught up to my emerging nature of just wanting to be a bit more insulated and just solo-mish more of the time. Yeah. So, I, you know, I don't know what causes someone to switch from being pretty highly extroverted to being more introverted, but... It's apparently happened to me for whatever reason. And that's part of the piece that I'm finding with it is just going, I don't know, something changed. Maybe it could be the past four years of having some really profound um, plant medicine experiences and things like that that have opened up my field and just allowed me to know myself on a different level and have a different... Um, I think too, you're, you're just, you're resourcing your own power internally much more too. And I'm not trying to say that you would meet your fans or your, your community just to like get fed energetically, but like you don't need, I don't know, that kind of feedback or or nourishment as much anymore. I don't think. So I think it's a, it's a culmination of a lot of things. It is. But anyway, it's all, it's all good stuff and it's all, it's all toward the goal of evolution. The only other thing I'll say about the purging of parasites, by the time this airs, I will have just completed a milk cleanse. So I'm very intrigued. I started in about 24 hours. But again, by the time this airs, I will be done with it. Um, Super curious. I've done a lot of different cleanses in my life, including, you know, holding strong, doing the master cleanse. And yeah, I'm a little, I'm excited. I am more excited than nervous at this point. But a few days ago, I was more, a little bit more the opposite way. Uh, Just because I've never been a milk drinker, this milk cleanse, you can only do raw organic goat or cow milk. And we've got farmers here that have this A2 awesome 
other level, very unique cow milk that I'll be. It's the less inflammatory uh, yeah. milk versus the A1 cows. They produce the, the, and then the nasty. The milk. company sends you all these different herbal formulas and colon support formulas, supplements that you take, but I will only be drinking milk and um, some water. It has to be predominantly milk for eight days. <laughs> I love that it's making you drink coffee. I know the irony. So I've been off coffee for years and years and years. Gosh. Which I think is insane. And so, but I'm a big tea drinker. Like I love my beverages. In fact, when we renovated this home, Luke gave a beverage refrigerator just for me because I would take up our other refrigerator with all of my drinks. That is a fact. Yeah. I'm just, I love tinctures and yeah, just playing. I'm like a little kitchen wizard with beverages, but, um, yeah. So yes, I do matcha. Yes, I do all of these types of teas, but I haven't drank coffee in years. But on, yeah, on the milk cleanse, you cannot have any tea, no juice. The Literally the only thing you can ingest, you can't have any food. The only thing you can ingest is predominantly milk. You can have some water. And each morning you can have a small cup of coffee with a splash of milk. So I'm like, this is so wild. Um, but I'm looking forward to it because I think it'll be a big reset. But I'm bringing that up because um, I intuited that this was a yes for me before I really learned all the components or reasons why you might want to do the milk cleanse. And upon researching more, one of the main things it does is kills off parasites. So I don't really know what all oh, I've got going I on see. in there. I see where you're going with this. Yes. The living world, larger bean parasites are being purged and also the little microscopic guys. Yeah, yeah, totally. I just, there's just been a thing going on, you know, even in experiences that I've had, just like kind of that bizarre little wackadoodle experience with that parasitic energy attempt and, um, you know, just different friends and colleagues that I know who are really like pure hearted divine beings, like really walking the path in a devoted way. But many of them are having these kind of strange, bizarre encounters with other humans. And these other humans are very parasitic in differing ways, like just trying to extract and, and receive energetic power through what, whatever it might be through attempting to like tear someone down in hopes that by tearing them down, that person will get fed. Or, I mean, a, a parasitic behavior can operate in any number of infinite ways. But I just want to put this out there as an alert, as like a broadband service wake-up call. Like, even if you want to pause right now and check your own self and ask your own self, like, am I operating myself, like even if on a million years, you would never classify yourself as like an energy parasite. It doesn't hurt to just inquire, just ask yourself, am I engaging in any way with the world or in my interpersonal relational dynamics where I'm like trying to manipulate or trying to extract joy from another or extract energy or divine power from someone else. And if a yes pings in that you are doing that, you know, again, it's just about examination and exploration. It's like, okay, then what is the root cause of that? Like, what am I trying to gain by being a thief of that person's joy? Or if you're a type of person that is a troll on the internet and just writing like really abusive or hateful or unkind comments in any way, like 
really examine that behavior because that is energy parasite behavior. That is parasitic. If you are in any way are writing unkind or harmful comments online anywhere, you're an energy parasite, period. I think I'm doing that because I write unkind comments about Bill Gates and George Soros and well, the World Economic thank Forum. Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> the Great Reset. Then what are you? Then you need to examine that. Ouchie! And, I could go on and on. <laughs> what are you trying to gain from that? Revenge. Well, that's yeah. Then that's something worth exploring. There. Wake my... up, my fellow travelers! Take these demons down and cast them to hell. A funny thing on your milk cleanse. I want to yeah. just point out it's this hilarious and i might have mentioned it to you before but it's so funny to me and other guys i know and their female partners um share this experience but as as people listening to your podcast may or may not know i'm i'm really into health and biohacking and i know a lot of cool stuff i'm always on the cutting edge and <laughs> i know where I've, you're going with this. i've been into this shit for 25 years i mean there's always more to learn but i i gotta say i i know a lot right mm-hmm. and um and you do in our journey of wanting to get pregnant and you being my wife and me loving you, I've observed that it like rightfully so you are someone who does not like to be controlled or told what to do. Correct. Even if it's coming from, a, <laughs> even if it's coming from a place of love and not sort of dysfunctional control. And I've observed in, in my life through self-inquiry that a lot of the things that I do to support my own health and vitality are from a place of just self-love and self-care. But there is also a, a huge element of control there, like controlling the way I feel, controlling my environment, wanting to feel safe, all of this sort of lightweight pathology. And so I've observed in our relationship, when I am coming from a place of control and trying to tell you what to do with your body, um, you don't respond well to that and rightfully so. And every once in a while, I'll be like, hey, honey, maybe you should check this out. And it's been a little bit of a dance for me in our journey of wanting to get <laughs> pregnant and have some, have some munchkins that because I think I know what's right, you know, and it's kind of a collaboration, right? It's sure, not just, yeah, you know, I mean, if we are going to have a kid, I want the best possible outcome. Sure. And so, so I feel I've, I've had a little more license to intervene and yeah, yeah. suggest some things. But what is so funny about you, and it's just so cute, is that like with your milk cleanse, your friend Jordan told you about it, right? Shout out to Jordan. Yeah. So I swear to God, if like a week ago, I would have been like, honey, okay, check it out. I found this great detox. People say it's really good for uh, fertility and, you know, yada, yada. And these are the benefits. Reset your metabolism, kills parasites. I really feel it'd be great for you to do. You'd be like... Fuck no, I'm not doing no milk cleanse. <laughs> but then your friend tells you about it and you're like, oh, I'm feeling it. I'm into it. You know, I got the hit. I'm, I'm going for it. And I'm just sitting over here I like, don't know if that's a, tr- like, I don't know if right, just instantly I would have been a fuck no. I mean, I'm not saying you're not accurate. I There are certain resistances or it might take me a little longer to come around to like certain supplements that you recommend for some reason. But I, I don't shut everything down. Like, I I, I feel into... No, you, uh, to your credit, you do. I mean, we did the hair test and then got you on some supplements and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, a, a week-long cleanse that's pretty hardcore like that is a big ask of oneself, yeah. you know? So I just thought it was cute. Yeah. It was I, my observation. I was yeah. like, I could have been talking about it for a year and then your friend says it, now you're going to do it. I don't know. You might be right. <laughs> I think it was her approach too. I mean, I love... I love Jordan and the way she messaged me on it, just like her message could not have been more filled with 
consciousness, mindfulness energy. I could just tell how she arrived to even sending me that message and the way she worded it. It just was done energetically very impeccably. And so that right out of the gate left me very open to exploring. And I still took my time with it. I was not an instant yes. I was like, huh. I literally sat on it and felt into it and took my own journey and my own process and arriving to a yes that probably took a week or 10 days. So, you know, just because it came from Jordan, it wasn't an instant no, yes. I know, I know. It's I chatted just... with her when we ate with her and Adrian, and, you know, and then took the box home. And I even said when I left their house with the milk cleanse box, I was like, I, I feel I'm resonating with this. You know, I'm, I'm, if I don't decide to go through with it, I'll bring these supplements back to you. So I still wasn't even. This is true. I take my time. It's also just fun for me. I actually enjoyed this process. You know, in our home here, we have all kinds of incredible healing tools. It's just, it's what I spend my money on. It's what I'm into. You know, I don't collect Porsches. I collect like PMF machines and psychedelic Lucia lights. Saunas. And and saunas and hyperbaric chambers and red light and all the thing. I just love this shit. I'm just into it. I'm passionate about it. Helps me feel good. And it's just so interesting to me. But what I find fascinating is just letting you have free reign of things in the house and watching what <laughs> what you gravitate toward yeah. and what you just completely ignore is really interesting to me. Yeah. I'm just like, what makes her tick? Like, why does she go do, now she's doing saunas a bunch. And yeah. I couldn't drag her in the sauna to save my life a couple months ago. What what changed? Or it's just funny to see you kind of work through the things in the house. And I, I just feel very attuned with my own being. I feel yeah. very attuned with divine guidance. And so I just move very healthily at one with like the web of life. The one that's been pretty consistent with you is you like the ozone generator. I do. I yeah. do really believe in that. You can go to Luke's website and <laughs> get 10% off. Um, what's it called for real? Uh, Simply O3. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I use that thing multiple times a week. We basically have our own alternative medicine hospital here in the house. But anyway, I, yeah. it's just, it's just a cute uh, observation that I, that I make of you. I'm always curious what you're going to just naturally gravitate toward. One other observation I just wanted to touch on, um, which kind of goes along with where we're at, is when I was meditating the other day, just things about our dynamic, things, uh, reflections of 2022, so we can end this conversation on some intentions for this new year, 2023. But one thing that came to mind I just appreciate about us is our range. I feel like for me as a person and for you as a person, we both individually have just such range. She look in the chair. Look in the chair. You little stink. Don't lick the chair. Give a kiss to mama. <laughs> You're so smelly. You're so sweet. Our dog, Cookie, uh, <laughs> she's a very orally fixated she little She loves bean. to give Cookie kisses. She likes to lick the chair. Uh, <laughs> she'll walk by and lick oh. the wall. She's, yeah, she we're likes, talking about you. She likes taking in the information in her environment. Give a kiss. But yeah, I just was appreciating about you and me within our own beings, our, our, our range in terms of our humanness, our spiritual gifts. And also I was just kind of chuckling how the other night when we were on the third of the three vulture feather tobacco clearings, how <laughs> we maneuvered so effortlessly from being up here where we're recording now in our ceremony loft that you can't tell on camera because the camera is facing the other way. But from our vantage point, I mean, there is 
just countless shamanic tools and instruments and aura mists and the altar and all sorts of stuff going on in here. And we're, this is where we did the clearings. And then like, I went downstairs and turned on like Love Island on Netflix, you know? And I was just like, okay, cool. So we did the vulture feather thing. And like, now I want to have some uh, gummy bears and and watch an episode of, of Love Island. And I was just chuckling at how that effortless transition from such profound depth and spiritual energetics to just being fully embracing of my human self and the earthly realm of a, a streaming romantic uh, reality show that I can't get enough of. So, yeah, I just wanted to give a shout out to the range of both of I us. I like that, honey. That's good. The range is good. It's, I think, one of the many pitfalls for a spiritual aspirant is to take themselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. One of my teachers uh, years ago he said something to the effect of Luke, never trust someone who's too serious. Mm. And uh, he used to say to me all the time, finally asked him what he meant. He said, well, someone who lacks humor is completely engrossed in ego Mm. because ego is very serious because ego's number one job is to stay alive. And it thinks to keep you alive, right? As the physical being. Yeah. So I always remember that if I find myself getting too serious or, trying to come off as too intellectual or judging myself because I want to watch a shitty TV show or mm-hmm. like we were watching um, Yellowstone last night and I was like, ah, this is kind of low vibe. It's very violent and it is. And phew, there's some part of me that enjoys that. There's also a part of me that's like, ah, this isn't good for me, but it's a goddamn TV show. Relax, like have some fun, let go. Can't be too perfect and pious. And- yeah. I embrace my goofiness as much as I embrace, you know, my shamanic gifts. I love that, you know, you and I just have such a good time, even when we're just driving around wherever in Texas. Oh, who's here? It might be, uh, it might be someone with mail or something. I'll check it out. Okay. You just entertain the audience. Okay. Cookie, should I try to hold her up here or do you want her to go explore? Cookie friend. Cookie loves, she's our little security guard dog. Yeah, as, um, as Christmas time and my birthday time are approaching at the time of this recording, Luke has been, I have been too, getting some gifts delivered. So that's the only thing I can think of as to who. Thank you for letting us know there was someone at the door, Cooks. That was a nice girl. So yeah, by the time this airs, I will have just turned 44 and I can already feel like I'm excited for that age. There's just something about those numbers, that that double double digit, the 4-4 that feels really mystical and magical. And so yeah, shout out to me celebrating my recent birthday on New Year's Day. I'm a New Year's baby and... Okay, I'm back. Cool. Who was it? Uh, it was Marius. Oh. He had no idea we were going to be recording for seven hours. Okay, yeah. He was yeah. just going to show me some of the some of the work he we finished. We are really going strong here. So, well, yeah. You were, you were talking about setting some intentions for this, this well, coming year. yeah, but also as I'm steering the ship here, as this is my show, let I me just... I don't know. I'm thinking I might want to put this out too. This has been fun. It, yeah, I think it's really good, but let me just... Um, well, speaking of one intention, we're going to start now, I think, to weave a little back and forth. So just bear with us because as you heard from my intro, the theme of this, divine Al- 2023 Divine Alchemy, Reflections and Intentions, 
Um, so we wanted to cover both. But one intention that I have that is right here on my paper is, you know, continued, you know, singing, learning guitar, you and I making more music together, you know, that fun little video that we had from a couple of weeks ago that we just sent to a few of our friends. But yeah, Luke and I were just up here and I was actually playing guitar. He had a couple of the shamanic rattles and I, I'm so thankful that I just get gifted with melodies and songs all the time, just so, so effortlessly. So thank you again to God Goddess for those downloads and please keep them coming. I receive them. And one of those came in and uh, yeah, so we just had fun up here. And that's something that I intend that is a primary focus for me individually to just keep, you know, singing. I've been playing shamanic instruments for many years and singing for many years, but especially learning guitar and especially co-creating with you more. It sounds like a lot of fun. I think fun in general is something that I am not well versed in. You know, mm. yeah, I like play fun. Yeah, I have fun. I joke around. I mean, I'm we silly. Have a good We're time. silly. Yeah, but it's, it's taking time aside to really let go and play and have no intention other than just to play mm-hmm. is is definitely um, one of mine to just continue to lighten up and allow myself a bit of freedom there. And also. <laughs> for me, the huge elephant in the room of like, Luke, why aren't you doing this every day is finishing my book. Yeah. Which I, have I started, that on here. started two years ago. And I'm, I'm feeling a wave of shame because when I start something, usually I get it done, but we, you know, kind of suddenly at, at the beginning of that journey felt that we needed to escape California, like a burning building and move all of our lives to Texas. And then we went through a debacle of building this house, which was just <laughs> wrought with disappointments and frustrations and failures. Teach, and no, teachings. <laughs> teachings. Beautiful teachings. Please. Okay, see, there you go. Good Lord. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> well, that's how it was being experienced at the time. In hindsight, yeah, a lot of beautiful lessons. And, and here we are. But at the time, I'm sitting there going, man, I need to get going on my book. And I'm dealing with a lot of other things. Yeah, and but so. as you saw with me, like the book is such, the type of books that you and I will write and that I have already written, they're true living divine entities, you know? And so because of that and because of the types of books we will birth leading up, it's all perfect. From the outside, it's easy for me to see and just try to reassure you the best I can that all of these things that have been happening that you could easily view as like taking you out of getting the proposal done, I actually think they're all perfect divine components leading you to being an embody, being in the correct embodiment that you need to be to birth the type of book that you're going to be birthing. Damn, girl. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> and I'm not just saying that. It's very yeah. clear from my perspective that that's been what's going on. That's good. See, it's what, it's what I love about you in great life. Yeah, yeah. so it's... It's so yeah, getting perfect. back on that, and I feel as we were discussing earlier, there's been so many of these long, lingering kind of open loops that are now finding their conclusion. So I feel like the space is opening up for that. And more importantly for anything, I think probably for you too, is really opening up to bringing a baby into the world. For sure. And so there's, there's two massive creative projects at hand and um, babies and books 
yeah, doing everything we can to help facilitate that. I feel like we've been ready for a while now and are really in a place where it just seems like what we're supposed to be doing and what we're called to do. And for the first time in my life, to say that I wasn't excited about becoming a parent would be a gross understatement. I fought it really hard for a long, long time. And I feel very ready at this point to create our family, to build our family and add to our, our little foursome here of Cookie and, and Harry Gatto slash Jelly and you. And yeah. we have the home in place. And I just think it's it's the perfect time for us to expand in, in love and connection and, and that miracle. So I'm yeah. really, really excited to call that forth with you. Me too. Yeah, it's an exciting time and it's already been such a beautiful and rich journey already. So I'm looking forward to what's in store for this year on that note. One thing that I is not going away that I really want you to do if you're open to it. So as much as my husband loves me and fully believes and knows my gifts are authentic, he's not really ever been so sure in his belief in card decks. So if you're open to it, I would love for you to give me a, a card reading from my own card deck. Okay. Let's do a, like a two or three cards, whatever you intuit. If you want any in support and how to do any of this, let me know. If you just want to do your own thing, that's fine. But I would love for you to pull a couple of cards or however many you want to. For me, for 2023, my intention is to call forward the power animals in this reading who most want to empower my 2023, what messages are most important and present for me to become aware of. Okay. This is so fun watching him try to shuffle my yeah. card deck. This is sweet. Going back to my, my poker days in Vegas. Yeah. Thanks for being open to doing well, this. Well, you know, it's funny. It's not that I don't believe in card readings because as I said earlier around the experience with those deer and the, um, and the vultures, I really don't think anything ever happens by accident and everything is being orchestrated all of the time yeah. in perpetuity. Uh, but for some reason, I've just, I don't know, with, the, with cards, I see you derive a lot of value from it. It's just not been a practice that I've felt called to to use for whatever reason, but I'm more than happy to do so. Well, now. you also, though, a few weeks ago, I forget what we were talking about, but I said something about pulling a card and you're like, I don't know, you just, you like were walking away as you said, it. you're like, I don't even know if I believe in that. I was like, oh, really? Well, your wife happens to be a card deck author. It was just hilarious. So I just thought it would be even more hilarious to have yeah. you give me a card. Okay, well, today. I've shuffled them. For those that are just on audio and not seeing the video, I have officially shuffled the Animal Power card deck. Yeah. And I'm going to randomly or not select the first card and it is the lizard. Work with dream Work time. With dream time. I see because I'm the author, I happen to show all the messages on there. That is so funny. That lizard card, it's hilarious. It follows me around so much. And for much. those listening, the odds of getting it are one in 75 because it's a 75 <laughs> animal deck. Yeah. So work with dream time is a main message for 2023 Work with dream time. Okay. I'm gonna have to feel in more into that one. I think it keeps showing up for me because I'm just not getting what the lizard is trying to express to me. 
so that's intriguing that that's the first one. So noted, and we'll continue to explore lizards. You want me to buy a lizard for Christmas and you can be with one? We have them on our property. Yeah, we do. Yeah. So. Actually, ones that look just like that, those bright green ones. Totally. Yeah. So beautiful. Didn't yeah. have those in California. Yeah. All right. Ready for your second card, Allison? I am ready. Okay. Yes. I've been guided to pull this card, which is the koala. Oh, sweet koala. The let go. Yeah. Huh, let me tune into that in real time. Okay. That feels nice. I feel like there's something in the booklet. Where's the booklet? The booklet's right here. Let me open to Koala really quickly okay. while you're pulling. If Do you feel like there's one more card for me or do you feel yeah. done? Okay. You're doing that, Koala. Koala medicine releases old grudges and difficult emotions, helps you offer forgiveness. What are you ready to be free of? What frustration, anger, or resentment can you finally give yourself permission to release? Skipping ahead, just as the mother koala carries the young joey in its pouch until it's ready to be released, ask koala to help you let go of anything you no longer need to carry. Write down what you are ready to be free of and place the koala card by the list to help keep you focused and empowered in this intent. So I'm just going to speak this invocation to activate koala medicine. Dear Koala, if there is anything I've been carrying that is no longer serving my highest, greatest good, please lovingly show that to me. I am open to clearing old energies or emotions that hold me back. I am ready to open new space within me. That's interesting because that's really been the work, especially just of these last few weeks, is um, opening new space within me. So, aho. Thank you, Koala. Okay, ready for one more? One more. Okay. All right. Come on, lucky sevens. (laughs) Octopus. Oh, I love octopus. Trust your multitasking powers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Octopus has also been a recent regular visitor. And every time he shows up, I always think of, yeah, just trusting the voyage to come, like becoming a mom. And like, you know, when you see all the the arms, the legs of the octopus and the message of trusting your multitasking powers. Yeah, just trusting in this new emergence that I and we have been stepping more fully into in a, in a real, real and devoted way and, and trusting that, yeah, I'll be able to multitask in, in ways that I never have needed to before, you know, because I wasn't trying to become a mother before and now, now I am. And yeah, trusting that I can healthily hold the space of wife and mom and shaman and author and human and and all the things in a really joyful way yeah when i think of a a mother especially with newborns i think of them having a bunch of arms Mm -hmm. it looks like that (laughs) yeah they're always like carrying a bunch of stuff and holding the baby and having a drink and doing all the things they're doing at the same time yeah so thank you for that i think is that the first time i've ever had you do a reading for me for my own deck i think so honey thanks how did it feel fun i feel empowered i'm pulling the card Uh, so in in kind of getting to our closing chapter here on this very long but fun voyage um let's stay with the theme of the animals so what i did and the little bit of preparing that i did for our chat was i actually just totally when i was sitting up here one day it was not something from my mind i just got intuitively guided to pull random cards from the animal power deck 
and have those messages from the animals prompt us into some closing pondering. So for example, rabbit really represents fertile fertility energy. So, um, so yeah, so the question that rabbit is posing to us, what are you most bringing fertile energy to this year of 2023? Continuing to create the sanctuary that is our home, both physically and metaphysically sharing what I think will be my most generous contribution to the collective in the form of the book that I'm birthing. Mm -hmm. And as, as we've been discussing here, growing our family, making, making little humans appear. Yeah. Yeah. Or rather allowing little humans to appear. Yeah. Inviting them in. Yeah. For the great teachings that they, I assume will hold. Well, clearly already, <laughs> already, right? Um, so mine is uh, about that joyful creation energy, baby or babies, yeah, growing our family, the music and songs, small, intimate, fun gatherings. With Con- less than six people? Yes. No. With Ten six, maybe. Ten's probably yeah, good. Yeah, pushing it a little. It? I think eight or under. <laughs> okay. I think eight or under is a good rule. Um, continuing to stay attuned and connected with nature. Um, and one vision that came in that I just wanted to speak for the first time is like, I, I really want us in 2023 to take a warm beach vacation together. I would love that. Yeah, I think how's, it's... How's Quick Smala sound? I mean, I'm always game for Quick Smala. <laughs> Alix, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'd love to come back to our place of engagement and yeah. many other fond memories. So yeah, those are some that feel really good to me. I have others, but I'll just continue on. Well, but, you know, um, I think the ones that I that I offered were were more about my immediate life, but I would like to offer to the collective to our fellow shared humanity with whom we're actually just one. There is really no different people out there, separate people. Only in the world of form uh, do we find that. But those other parts of me that I perceive to be other people, my hope and my wish is that for those that have awakened to the grip of evil that exists on this planet that's expressed itself so much in the past three years that we can collectively create a world with more equanimity and more fairness and more love and truth and that we have the courage to face and overcome those that seek to harm and exploit us because they're out there and it's real. I think to spiritually bypass the reality of the duality that we live in isn't going to serve us and it could in fact keep us asleep. So what I would wish for all of us is to acknowledge the predicament that we find ourselves in at this stage of human development, zooming way out at this epoch of time and really seize it as an opportunity to create the world that we envision to not get caught up in the obsession about all that is dark and just to keep seeking the light without ignoring the dark, you know? And this is something with myself because when I look at 
what's going on immediately in the world, even now today, it just seems like these forces just really want to destroy humanity, <laughs> not to end on, a, on that note. But I mean, it's like, take a look at what we've gone through and the level of deception and coercion and manipulation and mind control and mass hypnosis and how many people out there are still not even questioning what's been going on. And rather than to ostracize those people as sheeple and you know, create more division and that we're awake and they're not awake, that we can have compassion for the people that have been put to sleep by the propaganda we've experienced and that we can just find our own lane and our own way to move forward in a way that's productive and inclusive of all people. Because we're at a precipice right now that is, it's a real turning point and where I'm always trying to lean into and sometimes not successfully is that because we can only see the vantage point of where we are now, it seems very dark and oppressive. But if we can kind of project ourselves into the future, I'm hoping and I, and I believe that we'll look back on this time as a transition and a turning point that was necessary wherein these nefarious forces that have influenced our civilization for thousands of years are now becoming so aggressive and blatant that so many more people are becoming aware that we've been deceived in so many ways and that we are in fact free sovereign beings and that we were born that way and we deserve to have that. And the only thing preventing us from realizing that truth is our fear and our fear is what that machine feeds off of. And so if we can move more into a stern faith in ourselves and in our shared humanity that we can move forward into an age of enlightenment. Beautifully said and um, makes me think about how um, it's been neat for me to witness how, yeah, in these last few years, especially the timing. I mean, I literally moved in with Luke and Cookie. So my cat Jellybean and I left Brooklyn and flew across the country to move in with Luke and Cookie the weekend that COVID began. And so, yeah, it's been so fascinating over the last few years to, um, yeah, just watch and also honor how we are both inspired to share or hold space or teach or guide or be leaders in some capacity in this time. And it's, um, you know, so at times it's very similar, but there's also like some pretty intriguing differences, you know, and I've really examined because you're, you're much more outspoken about certain nefarious potentials or energies or people or, you know, however you want to categorize that. And yet every time I've checked in with myself or checked in with the divine in terms of what's my role, how can I best be of service for, for all, for the greatest good, time after time, every single time, I'm always shown like, just keep holding the line and holding the course for what I've been doing in terms of just like bringing people back home to themselves, bringing people back home to their soul, uniting them with their soul, uniting them with their heart. And so that's what I stick with. And as opposed to, you know, having my own telegram channel or, you know, <laughs> or posting certain memes yeah. about things. And so it's the teenage punk rocker in me, man. I'm just like, fuck these guys, you know, yeah. but to, to your point, and, and I don't think there's a right or wrong way to approach this. And right. in the end, does it really matter what you and I are, are doing ultimately? But right. your approach would be interpreted 
by me as this. Don't fight the darkness, make the light brighter. Because darkness is only an absence of light. Mm -hmm. Right? So getting caught in the quagmire of the darkness and going in to do battle with these ghouls is futile, really. You know, it's like to have an awareness that there is an absence of light. Correct. Sure, we, we don't want to bypass that. Correct. That this darkness is present because of an absence of light. But Yeah, and that's the key is exactly that. It's like I've done, I've been through enough <laughs> dark night of the souls and shadows and scary territories in my life path. Like I don't fear facing scary energetics. I don't fear going into dark caves and examining I'm not scared of like reading up about or asking you or learning about certain people. Like I'm not afraid of that. I'm not not leaning into that. I'm very aware of that. And I'm shown to hold the line of what I described. So yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. Like I'm not over here like terrified of like learning about Soros or terrified of learning about <laughs> Pizzagate or whatever. Like I'm not, I don't even know you knew about Pizzagate. I'm not scared. Now it's Balenciaga gate. Huh? Well, gotta, I, yeah, gotta... keep up with the times, right? <laughs> like I'm not scared of looking at that stuff and making my own decision about that stuff. I, I'm aware and I hold the line of divine Unification. Well, that creates a great balance between us then. Huh? Yeah, you know, yeah. I'm, I got I got a sword in the fire, you know, but my hand on the Bible. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just been fun to watch. So let's see a couple more before we wrap. Giraffe came in and Giraffe asks, what practices have most connected you with the divine or higher consciousness energies? Well, that would be... Very recently, our renewed practice of morning meditation together. Yeah. After going through the Vedic meditation course with Jeff Kober. Shout out to Jeff Kober. Hi, Jeff. And a guest on my podcast. And uh, a long In a couple of weeks, he'll be on Ceremony Circle. Great. A long time, a long time friend and a great teacher. And uh, that was a practice that I worked with for many years and then, you know, went off and explored a bunch of other things. But when you, again, surprised me, you know, and you're like, I think I want to go to Jeff's thing. I was like, what? Well, I didn't know what it was. I just knew I was supposed to go. <laughs> yeah. Well, you followed, you know, you followed your your muse, right? And so now we're doing what you weren't prior really interested in. You're like, I don't really like, and you know, forgive me of misquoting you, but you didn't really express interest sitting doing nothing for 20 minutes. I like meditation. I just have previous experience with the Vedic way of meditating where you're prescribed and bestowed a particular mantra. And so in that exact form of meditation, having gone through a course and learned it and tried it and it not really feeling like my cup of tea, I myself was surprised. I really yeah. like Jeff. And I, th I think that the timing of where I'm at in life, meeting Jeff, I think it just all felt right. And I've been en enjoying it this time around. So I love meditation. I just wasn't previously loving yeah. the mantra type. Yeah, I got it. Um, so with the giraffe medicine of connecting with the divine, I think that's probably my most meaningful single practice now and uh, more so because I'm sharing it with you. It's a really beautiful way to start our morning. And I, I think we've been pretty disciplined about it. And I do my best to not engage with the world before we do that. I cheat a little bit. I might check a text or something. I'm working on that to really just tap into that before I acknowledge the material world. 
and get engaged as such. So that to me would be a really beautiful practice to maintain moving forward in the new year. Yeah, I second that. Um, been enjoying that. Let me see if one example on my end comes through what practices the most connect you with the divine. Guitar. Guitar keeps coming in. There you go. Never present friend. Just do a couple more. Stingray asks for 2023. Uh, it wants us to tune into what brings you most peace and calm. For me, time alone in nature with zero responsibility. Good. Time doing nothing in the void of floating in a river somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Water boy. Yeah. Scorpio man. Celebrating, celebrating, yeah, celebrating the land mm -hmm. and just time staring at a rock. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that sounds good. Emptiness. What brings me most peace and calm? Presence. Being present. Came in. Let me see if anything else. What brings me most peace and calm? I think uh, really really present, loving, relational. It's an area I've, I've just been growing and growing and facing and facing for so long. And I'm welcoming even more lighthearted energies into, um, yeah, I'll just leave it at that so we can wrap up. Uh, Spider asks, what are your most magical attributes? I would say my unyielding curiosity. And my compassion for the human condition. Yeah, that's a place where you have been helpful for me because I tend to, um, I have a lot of compassion, but I also, I don't even know how to put it into words. At the same time, while I have such ton, tons of compassion, I also just have very low bandwidth or very low um a threshold a very low threshold yeah for people who don't put in the work who don't take responsibility um so it's like i can understand when someone has certain human tendencies or neuroses and i also instantly say no and it's a big X out of my life if that said person is also literally just twiddling their thumbs doing nothing about said neuroses. It's like, so you've helped me at times, you know, like ask where I could try to insert or interject or a little bit more compassion in some instances. I don't think it's always warranted that I should do that, but at least you've helped me explore that more. Yeah, yeah, we help each other find balance, right? Because I'm a bit maybe too lenient with people and perhaps you've been a bit more conservative, you know? We're like liberal conservative in the way that we express our, compa compassion. our compassion. Yeah, S let's see. Leech. Let's maybe end with leech because you know my love for leeches. That was one of the things that uh, caused me to be in interest of you for yeah because i met allison uh, many years ago and you know i was always kind of checking her out on the periphery she was kind of on my list of someone i might want to date at some point in life and so at one point you know how we do we stalk people we have crushes on mm. and so i was stalking her online and i found a youtube video it's probably still up there somewhere i encourage you to watch it where she was in new york city and she went 
she documented kind of in an immersive journalism fashion going to get leech therapy. And I was like, now this is my kind of chick. Yeah. <laughs> That's my kind of girl right there. That's a true story. Finding the finding the obscure things and just doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was so a leeches, yeah. really life-changing time for me. I have so much deep reverence and love for leeches. And leeches ask us, how will you be shifting from fear to love? Well, I think it's in the way that I described of, of really honing my consciousness to stay awake to uh, the imminent threats in our world, but not to get stuck in them and wrapped up in them and not to give them energy, just to take a peek, observe, keep it moving toward the solution and toward higher levels of functionality. How will I be shifting? I have to pee so bad. The only thing I can kind of think about right now is how full my bladder is. It's really taking my focus, but let me see if I can somehow conjure connected to something. Um, For those not watching the video, I'm currently holding my vagina. (laughs) I forgot we're doing video right now. I'm going to get us kicked off YouTube. Oh gosh, I've got to go so bad. Okay, stand by. How will I be shifting from fear to love? Hang on, tuning in. Mm, Something trying to make its way in. I'm hearing you talk to the dog. Cookie, what do you want, sweetheart? Mommy's trying to tune in while she has to pee. You want to come up here again with Mama? I think she's hungry or has to go she's potty. She's definitely hungry. Oh, you're a hungry girl. Well, almost done. This is Mommy's last answer. Hang on. Give me a kiss. Ooh, that felt nice. Oh, God. She's so cute and stinky and sweet. Um, yeah, because it was it was showing me even recently how I traversed things. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's kind of good that I'm ending on just like not being able to tune into the divine because I have to pee so bad. Well, honey, we've been going for a while. I yeah, think that's Yeah, this fair. is for sure my longest ceremony circle episode. I am not yeah. surprised that it's with you. Um, yeah. But thank you for joining me. Such an honor to have you back on. You've been on before, but not like you said, not since we've been married and living in the home. So this is really special time and it's just so good to wrap up 2022 and enter into my 44th year on this planet, this lifetime and into 2023, having this conversation and just like, yeah, I think it was important. Even if we didn't do this episode, it would have been good for us just on our own to have this time of reflection and tuning in to, um, you, you explained it or we were at a teaching together somewhere to at some point where yeah, I was just re-emphasizing like the most important thing in a marriage is that you're both like walking to the same point, you mm-hmm. know? And mm-hmm. so I think conversations like this obviously help that to happen. Yeah, me too, honey. Well, I'm so grateful to uh, have shared it with you and share our life together. And I want to wish everyone listening the most prosperous and magical 2023 here on earth. And if you're listening and you're still in a human body, you are a fierce warrior and you are courageous beyond belief because to choose to come here at this point in time is not for the faint at heart. And so God bless everyone listening. May you be well. Yes, sending so much love and divine connection to the divine true fabric of each of your beings. Thank you for being a part of the Ceremony Circle community 
um, up until now and hopefully moving forward 2023 and beyond. And we will sit with you again next time. Happy New Year, everyone. Woo-wee! What a powerful voyage that was. It is always so fun and such an honor to share space with these beautiful beings willing to generously share their time, wisdom, and energy so we can have the opportunity to enrich our own lives. And we will always share each epic guest's links and contact info in the show notes that are on my website, alisoncharles.com, and also in my weekly Ceremony Circle podcast Instagram posts at I am Allison Charles. So it makes it easy for you to connect more deeply with them. And fam, you know by now all the heart I put into creating this show. And I would love to be able to continue providing this free content for a long, long time to come. And what would be most supportive in me being able to do that is if you have ever felt you've gained anything positive at all from listening to a Ceremony Circle podcast episode, if it's brightened your day, if it's given you clarity or insights you've been waiting for, if you felt a healing shift during one of the closing ceremony practices, anything at all, If you can just stay on whatever platform you're now listening to this show and simply go to the rating and review section and share even one reason why you're grateful for Ceremony Circle Podcast. Sacred reciprocity is a big deal and I deeply appreciate you giving back to me so I can keep creating and providing. Sending you so much love. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and my intention is not to provide medical advice or diagnosis. You should always consult a health professional before making drastic changes to your diet or lifestyle.